you're in that bar and you see that person, you realize, okay, shit, I've got to overcome myself here. I've got to overcome myself. It's not about getting the girl. It's not about getting the woman. It's not about getting validated by these people. It's not about being able to go back to my friends or my family and say, look at me, fuck, I'm such a fucking amazing person right here. So you bail out, you eject within 10 to 30 seconds, just going, okay, well, nice, have a good night, I'll see you later. And you walk out. <laughs> That's what it looks like for people who are consciously incompetent because then they walk away, right? And they go, okay, that was rubbish. What do I have to do to become better in the next interaction? Not... Who do I have to choose next? Today, we're going to be talking about total social integration, learning to traverse the journey of social dynamics, to complete the journey, to go from being unconsciously incompetent, where you don't know the first thing about social dynamics. You don't know the first thing about intent, eye contact, vocal projections, slash tonality, body language, vibe, and then to work and work and move through the different stages of what I refer to as the clock face of social dynamics. And then you get into this part where you feel like you got a handle on all the raw mechanics. You can go up to someone, open qualification, investment, close, you run an interaction. You're going through these different dates now in which that you're learning about sexual progression, the dance between masculine and feminine energy. You're setting up these different relationships. You're learning about different frameworks of different relationships, whether it be a open and free style in which that is polygamous or polyamorous, I should say, unless those of you are trying to get married and have multiple spouses. We'll talk about the tactics later on. But whether you're going through an open style or whether you're going through a monogamous style, it's very exclusive and you're looking for that one person where you're learning to overcome your insecurities, your limiting beliefs, your negative self-perceptions, your egoic attachments, right? This is the journey that we're talking about here. And then to get to a place where, as I was, we'll talk more about later, but conscious competence in which that I know what to do and I can do it well, but then you hit this plateau and then it requires an entire mentality shift to learn to unlearn, to start becoming more natural, to free flow, to access a part of yourself that requires no mind about social dynamics. There's no mind, it's just do, it's just practice, it's just be. And what that requires is a unconsciousness. It requires a trusting of the subconscious skills that you had built the entire journey and a detachment from those skills that took you up the mountain in order to come back down the mountain. So this is, I'm not even sure where we are in this intro because I'm so hyped up about it, but I've got an incredible email sent in and that is really the reason for today's podcast. Just yesterday, I put out a free email article on the bowl sip called Total Social Integration, talking about a client I was working with who's in that stage of just just teetering on conscious competence. And then I relayed a story from when I was 16 years old doing my first cold approach, and it's inspirational. And then someone sent me an even more inspirational email, which was from the other side of the world. It's about his entire journey in social dynamics of going around the clock face and also one of the most beautiful and romantic date stories I've ever heard. It will just set your heart on fire. I'm fired up for today. I'm really fired up because today is just going to be a free ball on social dynamics, what the journey is. This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com, where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldorigin.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of Wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentary, music, all of that, all at boldorigin.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Link is down below in the description. Or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. 
So let's kick off today's session with this absolute ripper of an email. It's so inspirational. I've only read it once myself and barely. It's long, but it would just blow you away. It's sent in from Austria by a man named Mark, and the subject line reads, A Journey of Ascended Mountains, and a thank you from my heart. Message. Hello, Adam. I'm going to apologize beforehand for this message being a wall of text and give you the essence of it already. Thank you so much for everything you do and have done for me. The title of your latest Bolsip 136, Total Social Integration, drew me in to read it, and the serendipity and perfect alignment of the content with the current state of my journey just happily compelled me to reach out to you just now. I've been a longtime follower and OG of your content. I remember those first duo videos of Jordan, even still, haha. You have been a tremendous source of inspiration, guidance, and understanding, healing, and even the bearer of hard-to-swallow truths for me these past few years. Your content helped me in countless situations and guided me through the various stages of this journey up the mountain of unconscious competence. From stumbling to even find the words to talk and just handing my phone over with the dial pad already open in one of my first cold interactions, <laughs> to feeling the divine connection of the masculine and feminine polarities when I had my first kiss that was born from a cold interaction. When I got stuck overly fixating on technicalities, rushing sexual progression and being unable to actually be vulnerable and real. And also, as much as it pains for me to say now, even when I let the capabilities and dark potentials of my acquired skill set run rampant to hurt and use women for my own ego validation. But all these stages were part of my journey. The good and the bad and your content has been the guiding light all the way through. I still vividly remember the days where I had to have a game plan in mind in order to be able to lead an interaction and struggling on what to do on dates and how I had to consciously focus on my vocal tonality and body language, etc. I still remember the moments where I had to consciously tell myself to slow it down and align the beating hearts before progressing sexually. I still remember the sense of longing and attachment, the need for this to continue when meeting a blue moon once in a while. To sum it up, I still remember remembering or having to remember aspects of the social toolbox. To use the allegory of the tree on top of the mountain, I've seen many fruits come falling down my way while ascending. I have been discouraged by the fruit, for there was still no tree in sight. I happily took fruits coming my way, settled for the fruit, and abandoned to the journey to the top. I ate the fruits to nourish me and push me to strive even harder for the top. I even took fruits in an attempt to cultivate, to try to cultivate a tree of my own. The reason why this bowl sip felt special is because it was the first one I clicked on in months. And I mean that in an absolutely positive way. You are my biggest mentor regarding social development. Your content, a hidden diamond after another. But it was exactly just now when I realized, even the diamonds, I didn't need any of them anymore. It had been months since I last deliberately thought about the topic of social interaction, women, and dating at all. And not because I took a break from it. This aspect of life has been flourishing the past few months and continues to do so now. I reached the peak of the mountain without even noticing it, happily eating fruits and enjoying the feeling of the sun on my face. I want to finish this message with a description of my last date. It had been years since those first written breakdowns of interactions, and to look back and compare now will probably fill my heart with joy. I sat on the bench, eyes closed, conscious of my breath, feeling tiny raindrops hitting my body. I sank deeper into this feeling, and soon I entered a meditative flow. I felt a warmth approaching and getting bigger on the left side of my face and embraced it, getting lost in time. A tiny little laugh brought me back from my meditative slumber. I opened my eyes, 
and she was standing there with bright eyes and a giant smile. Oh, I was waiting for her on this bench. I remember now, I thought to myself. I'll call her Mitsuha for now. How long have you been here, Mitsuha? Why didn't you say anything, haha? It has been 15 minutes. My day was a mess. I crashed down after work and fell asleep when I laid down. I even rushed out of my apartment just so that I wouldn't be late. But when I saw you meditating just now, it helped me calm down as well. We made our way to the gardens, and our vibe just picked up exactly where it left off after our first date. The hours at the garden were filled with deep talk, playing around like children, and a deep connection of the sexual polarities. Since it was already approaching dinner time, I asked her if she wanted to eat at the restaurant in the middle of the park slash garden. No, let's cook dinner together, she replied. We had about 20 minutes left before the stores closed, running around without a care in the world while thinking of a dish. We reached the supermarket just in time before heading over to hers. I already knew she was a blue moon after our first date, but sitting there at the kitchen table with my tea, just seeing her slender and athletic silhouette as she demonstrated me the pirouette she had been working on. It was as if I was faced with the very concept of feminine polarity itself. The salmon filet, alongside some roasted veggies, replenished our energies as my playlist was playing in the back. One particular song started playing. Futari no aida torisugita kazewa dokokara sabishiwa wahakon dekitano. I'm sure you'll be familiar with it, Adam. Haha. <laughs> Ed brackets. She looked me in the eyes and asked if it was from Your Name, the film, the anime film, Your Name, otherwise known as Kimi no Naiwa. I just smiled, told her to stand up, and that we would do a partner meditation now. We aligned our breaths and hearts as Nanda Manaya was playing in the background. I saw the universe in her eyes, felt myself within her, the boundaries of our physical selves slowly disintegrating. Close your eyes. Dot, dot, dot. And that was the beginning of two souls becoming one. For those that are not deeply embedded within the content of this channel, what he's referring to there is that they shared their first touch of lips. He went on to say, when I left her apartment to head home afterwards, it was not just the experience I just described that filled me with joy. Even more so, it was a feeling deep in my heart a feeling that for the first time ever, I genuinely felt in that moment passing an alley of trees while being illuminated by the moonlight. It was the feeling of full acceptance and content. I just met a blue moon. Mitsuha and... Sorry, let me say that again. I just met a blue moon, Mitsuha, and enjoyed every single moment of it. This interaction was purely guided by our energies and presence and the free flow of those. If I never saw her again after this, it would be just fine, he thought to himself. A tear rolled down my face as I realized that I had finally reached the top of this mountain. Standing here and enjoying the view, I think it is time to descend the mountain again, to find new mountains to conquer and challenges to master. Adam, you were the only, the last mentor I still followed, but now it's time to walk alongside you instead. Of course, I'll still be following those juicy eternal energy podcasts, haha. This message is also a testament for your knowledge and teachings. I didn't even have to spend a single dime all these years and all these lessons. You are the real deal. 
Again, I cannot stress enough how much of a mentor you have been in my life. And for that, I will forever thank you with all my heart. Love you, bro, and forever grateful. Signed, Mark. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. What a story. What a story. I, my, the hair on my arm is standing up. The hair on my arm is standing up. This is just, I feel an overwhelming sense of joy. It is just purity, pure joy that is radiating from the sense of my being. Not because of, well, of course, I very much appreciate Mark's sentiments towards my teachings and the role that I played in his life, but it's far more to do with the experience that he shared with her. Uh, Mitsuha, by the way, just a, a few little references for those that are not deep on anime films. The film that he was referencing there and the song that they were dancing to or that they were meditating to in a way, I'm sure it was both. Uh, Nanda Manaya, I highly recommend... I'm not going to play it now because YouTube will probably smack this video of a warning if I try and play it here, but I will drop in the links down below the exact song he's talking about. It's called Nanda Manaya uh, from the original soundtrack of Kimi no Naiwa, aka Your Name. If you go on, I'll drop this specific track on Spotify. There's a movie edited version and then there's like a true version. The true version is the one that the lyrics came from. And yes, Mark, uh, as soon as I read those lyrics, I was like, ah, this is straight from Kimi no Naiwa. I know it is because he named, obviously Mitsuha was not the girl's real name in real life he's using that as a fake name but the fact that you did that is just it's so incredible so what what where can we begin with this here where what we can begin with is exactly this this is the journey of social dynamics this is what it means you saw at the beginning that he was the type of guy that was so unconfident so unknowing of what to do socially just within the raw social skill set when he was just learning about cold interactions that he would just blindly and dumbfoundingly hot hand his phone over with the dial pad open not knowing what to do and so it's been years and then he had his ups and downs he had the little dark stage that he went through there as well in which that you know this is very common very common for people that start to master them or find a mastery of social skill that is maybe not a totality or an excellence of mastery but it's mastery in relevance to the average human being when you start to learn to control social skill what you find, and I've said this many times, especially for OGs, I'm sure Mark knows this line as well, is that especially in today's day and age, you know, you don't have to be a black belt to look like a black belt these days in social dynamics because there are so many white belts. And as there are more, more white belts of social dynamics, the more you appear to be a black belt. So while your actual social skill set might only be that of a yellow or a blue belt, you appear to be a black belt because you're just so much more in control of what you're doing, whether it be in the bar, in the club, or out on the street in the day, beach, gym, whatever it may be. And so you can find yourself in this place of arrogance. You can find yourself in this deep, egoic, dark trench of that. I'm here to gain validation. I'm here to see how much I can puff myself up, pump myself up, pump that ego balloon. And he said, he acknowledged that. I love that you acknowledged the parts of your journey, Mark, where you were off where you were not serving. And then to go through that stage, and that, I would definitely categorize that as a consciously incompetent part of the stage because you're aware of what you're doing there, but it's obviously not being done well. And then to reach a stage where you're starting to learn about, and this is the part that really hyped me up. If you were watching the YouTube version while I was reading that story out, the part that really hyped me up was when he started to talk about learning about sexual progression, when he started to look about, talk about the dance between masculine and feminine energy and learning what it means to see and to feel the beating of hearts. When he said the beating of hearts, that just, I remember the first time I read this email last night, this only got sent to last night, it sent me to the fucking moon. And even right now, it sends me to the moon because 
if you've been following this content for, I don't know, if, even if you've only been following for the last maybe three to six months, you know that that's mostly what we talk about nowadays, or mostly what I like to talk about nowadays on the podcast anyway, which is that I like to talk mostly about what it means to get into a very intimate space with someone, because that's largely what I'm dealing with on the day-to-day when I'm talking with my clients, when I'm working with my clients. Uh, I would say the vast majority, the vast percentage are those that are dealing in a more intimate sexual space. They've already got the foundations of their social skill set handled. And here's here's a perfect time here because this is what I want to do with today's podcast. I want today's podcast to just to be a bit of a tribute to what social dynamics is. I want it to be an inspire, inspiring, inspirational light to those of you that are in the trenches, that are in the darkness, that are thinking, am I ever going to get a handle on this, bro? Am I ever going to traverse the deep, deep pain of who I think I am to evolve myself into really what we all know we can be, to reconnect back to the true light that exists within you? to seeing the very best of yourself, to living in abundance, to living in uh, harmony and cohesion with all of the beings in your life, whether they are sexually polarized or not, it doesn't matter, to live in with this this deep flow, this deep way of things. So, so with that being said, I want to read out the story that Mark responded to or the email that Mark responded to. It's quite a long email. I've been putting a lot more effort into the articles these days. And they're all free. You can just sign up for them at boldoja.com. So this story was taken from the Bowl Sip 136. And I'm just realizing now there was a grammatical error in the title of that email. There's a capital I in the sip. That was not intentional. I'm just realizing I fucked that up. So much more care I'm sorry about that. Uh, now in reference, because I'm not going to read out the entire article. It's obviously way too long, but I will read out the entire story that I want to uh, pin on here, which is just inspirational. It's so inspirational. But in terms of context of why I put that inspirational story in, it's because I was describing the two key components of social dynamics. Number one, key one, the actual training of social skill, which is the intent, eye contact, vocal projection, tonality, body language, and vibe. And then key component two, which most people don't know about, is the emotional control, the ability for one to control the state of their emotions in response to either a person or the environment, the ability to access that creative free flow, to be able to use those social skills you had aforementioned in key one. So that's when I interjected a teenager's emotions, which is the title of the story, which is from when I was 16 years old. And uh, also I'm just looking at it now. Actually, I'll show it to the screen here for those of you on YouTube. There's a photo of me and the girl who's actually the girl from this story uh, at the beach on a date a week later. It's one of the most beautiful photos. So here we go. A teenager's emotions. At 16 years old, I attempted my first ever cold approach and I didn't even know it was a cold approach. Having recently broken up with my girlfriend, It was school holidays and I was at the beach with a group of friends. Sun shining. We were tossing ball in the water and I noticed a beautiful Aussie-born Asian girl playing with what looked like her much younger sister nearby. Over the next 30 minutes, we must have simultaneously looked at each other 10 times. Short of waving a gigantic green flag, she couldn't have sent me a clearer signal. Yet all I could sense was fear inside. The pounding in my chest. The anxiety, like electricity running a wire. Afraid of the potential of failing. Afraid of the judgment from my friends. Afraid of myself. Eventually, our group decided to head back to the towers, and like a prisoner, I dragged my heels through the water behind them, as slowly as possible. Furiously debating in my mind, go say something to her. You clearly like each other, but what if I'm wrong? What the fuck am I even supposed to say? Why am I so scared? This is fucked. We literally reached the shore and were a solid 50 meters away from her at this point. My heart was threatening to explode, 
the sheer intensity of the nerves. I looked over my shoulder one last time and came to a complete stop. Fuck it. I turned my ass around and started marching back towards her. I just couldn't live with myself walking away from this. Time playing in slow motion. The walk back lasted an eternity. Coming within 10 meters, her back was towards me. Though her younger sister faced and girl signaled what was happening. She turned around and as our eyes met, I squeaked out in a thousand stutters. Um, hey, I saw you and thought you were kind of cute. Wanted to say hi. My my name's, My name's Adam. She lit up like an absolute firework, her eyes shining like diamonds with a smile bigger than Everest. The relief as my cardiac arrest subsided. She greeted back and thanked me for the compliment. We shook hands and got to knowing each other. It was such a great time. The lols, the instant connection, the natural flow. What had I been so worried about? I eventually signaled that I would need to go back to my mates, but that we should meet up again soon. She said to come meet her friends back on the sand, and we'd exchange details. Walking back to my towel, my friends were yahooing like idiots, causing me to blush, and a group of complete strangers who watched the whole event take place started clapping out of respect. Even more embarrassing. Pause. I can still see this to this day. They were just like on the sand, having their beers. Not that you're technically not allowed to in Australian beaches, but they're having their beers, and they watched the whole thing, and they just started... They just started clapping when I returned to the beach. Oh my gosh. While I was walking with her as well. So that was, that's a bit much. That's a bit much <laughs> for a 16 year old. But I'm sure I was red as a tomato. Anyways, continue with the story. Meeting up a week later on Australia Day, we connected deeply. And as the sun slipped beneath the earth, standing in the calm waters, holding her in my arms, our lips made first touch. Why I wanted to interject that story at this stage of the podcast was the beginning of the journey. So I want to go right back here. I want to go right back when we're talking about the journey of social dynamics and I will start, I will come back and reference Mark's story as well as we move on through today's session. But thinking about those of you that are in the, and I will right now just outlay very quickly what this clock face deal is for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, clock face of social dynamics or when Mark's talking about in his email. So that's my rubric for understanding the different stages of development in social dynamics throughout your journey of learning social skill and social development in general, which is from 12 to 12 on the clock face. If you can imagine the first quartile, 12 to three, unconsciously incompetent, largely summed up as you're so bad, you don't even know how bad you are. You don't even know what you suck at. It's a time of unconsciousness. It's a time of mostly, actually, if we can just slip in here a little bit, to learn to overcome yourself. If you look at it very practically, those who are traversing through 12 to 3 on the clock face of social dynamics, those are mostly people who it is the absolute shifting of mountains to get them to go up to someone, let alone understand what they can or cannot do within said interaction, but just to merely get into an interaction. That's mostly 12 to 3. So for those of you that are wondering, okay, where do I fit into this structure of this rubric? I'll try and give an example for each and every stage. That's mostly 12 to 3 is 12 to 3 is are just, they can barely get into an interaction. 
it takes an extreme amount of energy. And even when they are in an interaction, it's just it's just throwing potatoes up in the air. It's just, they've got a bag of potatoes and they're just throwing them in the air. They don't know what they're doing. And it's, just, it's quite funny to watch. I think about it now because I remember when I went through unconscious incompetence. And that's right there. In that story right there, that was unconsciously incompetent what I was doing. I'm sure it was if I had a video camera and a mic hooked up, looking back on it, it would be the cringe of all cringe. It would be the most... Uh, I'm not disappointing is not the right word. Just disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful to the journey. No, no, it's so respectful because that's where we all begin. We all begin where we are right now. Uh, anyways, so 12 to 3, yes, it's just, and actually what I will read right now. Oh, no, no I'll, save, I'll save it for after. There's a nice little poem that I like to wrap up the journey of social dynamics with. I'll just get it on my email here so I don't forget it. There we go. Okay, so, so you suck, but you don't even know how much you suck. That's stage of unconscious incompetence. And then as you go through the second quartile of the clock phase of the journey of social dynamics, you got three to six o'clock in which that now you're consciously incompetent, which means that, no, you know how much you suck now, but you're actively working to overcome that. You know how bad you are and you are attempting to overcome it. So you're still exporting a large amount of energy, a large amount of conscious energy. You're actively having to target analyze, break down interactions. You, most likely you're going through stages of recording. You're trying to record yourself. You're getting your friends to record you. You're, depending on how hard case you are, of course, this is a time in which that things aren't really working. They're not working, but you are. So they're not working. Things aren't working, but you're working as hard as you can to overcome those things that aren't working. And so it's this is the time where most people give up, I'll be honest. Okay, let's say there's there's a couple stages in the journey where you would see most people give up. It's either from 12 to 1 o'clock, so literally people's first day. People's first day when they get a full glimpse into understanding how much they suck and how much they didn't even know that they suck, and that's so confronting. It's so confronting for someone to go out, whether it's in the day or in the night, and you try and go up because everyone thinks they're a badass. Everyone thinks they're the shit. Everyone thinks that if they were to go up to an attractive woman, done, Right? done it's not done for most people it's done for them for most people they are well done like they're overcooked and they have no concept of how poor they are actually interacting with a cold human being so most people in the journey when it comes to social dynamics and this is the story for most of us uh well for those when i say most of us eh, let me take that back it's the journey for most people who have the story of i gave up many many times it's often in that stage 12 to 1 o'clock but you then see a reflash or a reheating of dropouts in this stage of conscious incompetence in which that now it's just grind. Conscious incompetence is a grinding stage of social work and social dynamics development because things aren't working yet you still are required to put in your max amount of energy. You're still going out. At this stage, you shouldn't be doing 30-day challenges. 30-day challenges are reserved for those who are Okay, let me say as a general principle, they are for the beginning of your journey to analyze where your current level of social skill set is at, or as a review mechanism later on down the journey to review where you're currently at. But that's that's very, very nuanced and I wouldn't recommend. Like a 30-day challenge is really for as a coaching mechanism to analyze where you're at and to get the data to be able to cultivate and to be able to design a program 
that targets what you most need to improve and takes into account what you are already good at so you're not wasting time practicing things that you're already good at. So targeted exercises, etc. So it's very much a coaching mechanism and you'd see that in the beginning of your journey. So as I was saying that there's a reflash of dropouts and what this happens is when that when you realize that, okay, this is not going to be a quick thing. For most people, it's not a quick thing to traverse the incompetency of your social skills. These are likely, particularly if you're not a five-year-old, are patterns of behavior that have been laid in for decades at this point. Even for the youngest of you, if you were me at 16, right, that you've got a decade worth of laying of social principle and social programming and conditioning there that has to be altered, changed. And then you see that scale. You see that scale of zero to 10, 10 being the absolute natural, zero being the hard case of all hard cases. Everything here needs to be applied to where you fall and five being the average person in the middle. Everything here needs to be applied. And when you're listening to what I'm saying here, this is all generalization, but very specific to you is where is your social skill set? You know, for someone, I say for most people, most people should be able to traverse the journey of social dynamics to achieve what Mark has achieved here in his email and what I achieved in my life as well in two years and less. Two years and less if done with relentless action, accurate feedback, and sound guidance. If you have those three key principles, I don't see, and in a com- in accompaniment with that, you are not an absolute hard case. You fall into that four to six range, which is the average social skill set, which is that you're neither incompetent socially or you're neither unconsciously competent. You're neither on the other ends of the spectrum. You're just in that nice little meaty bit. Probably good. You should, not probably, you should be able to traverse this journey in less than two years. I'm not sure why we brought up that tangent. I'll find out later on. Anyways, getting back to the main point here, which is that why people drop out so much in this particular stage where we're currently at in today's podcast, which is consciously incompetent is because it requires so much work. It's because you have to put in so much energy, yet things aren't working, yet that's what you feel. And that's why I brought the whole point up, which is that you feel like it's not working because things that your interactions are still either bombing at the qualification stage. Maybe you do happen to get on a date here and there, but it's just a shit show. Like you're just so nervous. You never kiss the girl. You always mess up the timing to kiss the girl. If if somehow, this is definitely not the stage of people that should be getting into sexually intimate. And when I'm talking about body to body, naked to naked body body here, it's very unlikely that someone in the consciously incompetent, particularly the early stages of that, because you notice that this is not like, um, it's not one number, it's a range of numbers. So from three to six. So obviously you can be at the beginning stages of consciously incompetent, or you can be at the very ending stages. And obviously those two skill sets are going to be very, very different. But I'm talking about people that are like in that meaty zone of really incompetent, <laughs> consciously incompetent. Most of the time, they're not going to be entering sexually intimate spaces because their social skills are just not good enough to get there. But somehow, if you somehow, I'm not going to, draw the hard and fast line and say that it's not possible. So let's say you do find yourself in a state where you're actually, your social skill set is not that good, but it was the right girl at the right time. She was having a bit of a shit week or she's just rebounding off a boyfriend or something, broke up, breaking up with the ex. And she's thought, all right, I'll go with this guy. He seems kind of nice. And he seems like he got his heart in the right place, even if his mind isn't the best. And what I'm saying right there is right heart, wrong mind. A uh, principle that I love to discuss, which is actually most of the people that come to my content is that, they have the right heart about all this. They want to, it's not just that they want to get laid and just want to get money, get bitches. That's not the type of people that listen to my content. The people that listen to my content is that, okay, whether you heard it before coming to me or definitely as a result, this is what keeps you coming to this type of content is develop your temple of supreme excellence. Become a being in which that you are direct, congruent, authentic, covering of empathy. You have these principles that you care about other people. You care about the experience for another human being and so that you would do the best in your life. Whether... Whether it is an absolute 
disgrace of a social performance, but your heart was always there to try and do your best, right? That should always be there. And it's like, it's, it's a love for the journey, a peace with the outcome, and a joy for just doing the damn thing. You put those three keys together, the love, peace, and the joy. You've got those principles, direct, congruent, authentic with the empathy. You're trying to become this being of supreme excellence. That's all right heart. That's all the right intent is what I'm talking about. That's why you're doing all of this. It just so happens that there's stages of the journey, a meaningful period of the, st- the journey, in which that the mind is not aligned. And what I'm talking about there is that the way that that comes out, your actual, the way that you actually hold eye contact, the way that you actually sit into your vocals or don't sit into your vocals, right? You're just fluttering, you're a leaf in the wind, you're making all these social mistakes, right? Whether that, that's all likely to happen, that's all going to happen. That's that's the part of it. But it shouldn't diminish and it should not, that's the best word, it should not diminish your inspiration or your motivation just because things aren't working right now within the stage of conscious incompetence because while the conscious cogs are so grindy it's like you're in this interaction and it's like fuck do i hold her hand now do, do, do i do i put the hug on her adam hug tactics do i put a hug on her? <laughs> uh, do i do i put the kiss on her? what do i do here it's like it's so grindy it's like you you're, you're thinking don't spoil the tasting don't get me started on the texting jeffrey don't get me started on the texting even I've got clients of this day that I wouldn't even consider inco- well, apparently they are, uh, <laughs> that still fuck up the texting. Um, uh, here and there, here and there. I'm just joking. If there's one particular client, I'm nervous listening to us right now that is laughing his ass off because he made the most fundamental mistake the other day of after a date, he was the first one to text the. Uh, now, we're going to get the linger effects. All I'm talking about is that if you honored your role as masculine being at the end of a date, as in you did the very best that you could, there's absolutely no reason for you have to send a text after to make sure that she had a good time or to make sure that she comes and sees you again, you know, displaying that type of neediness or a corruption, really the leading principle here, which is that it's all over now. Like it's all done. And that's one of the great things that Mark said in his email, which is one of the most beautiful things that lit me up, which is how he realized that after this most incredible date with Mitsuha, that it's okay if I never see her again. And there's another fundamental principle which is that, and it's over now. There's so many things flying off here. How are we going to stay in this podcast? Don't worry, I've got a good idea about where we are, but we've got to dive into this because what am I talking about when I'm saying guys that mess up the texting, which is that they don't trust in their abilities. They don't trust that what they did was solid, that it was sound, that it was centered, that it was grounded, and that they can walk away from this experience going, I'm done. I'm good. The time that I shared with her, that's all I ever get. It's just this moment now. The brightly projected future, the deeply rooted past, none of these exist. It's just now. Right? They're all figments of our imagination. They're all conceptions. But if you just step in this moment now, Mitsuha, this girl now, Jenna, Sarah, once I see her off from the bus, that's it. I may never see her again. She might get That bus may blow up. That, there may be a, a, a stray robber that, that hits on and just got a little loose with the trigger. You, know, you don't know. She might have a heart attack. She might have a condition you don't know about. Maybe a relative dies in Brazil and she has to go spend three months now flying over there and taking care of the family over in Brazil. You don't know. Like you have no idea. What if you flew over to a different country and you're on the streets of South Beach, Miami, you're on Lincoln Street Mall and you met one of the most incredible girls of your life, but you're flying out the next day. This girl blows your absolute mind and just rearranges the very a continental alignment of your universe. But you're not going to see her again. Right. This is where I developed the mentality of and it's over now because so many times in my journey coming up particularly in a consciously incompetent stage to tie back into the main bamboo of where we are right now 
which is that there's so much pain. There's so much heart pain. And Mark described in his email, there's so much heart pain in wanting things to work out. And I remember back early 2021, late 2020, early 2021, when I was doing the live version of this podcast called the Social Q&A Lives. And so that's, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, like when you see the Bold Ojo podcast and this episode is like 138, there's actually 70 other episodes that aren't called Bold Dojos. They're called Social Q&A Lives, SQ&A Live. And we did about 70 episodes, almost a whole year, more than a whole year's worth. I remember specifically, so we've actually done uh, about 200 episodes of the podcast in general, but just there's two different series. Anyways, but we mainly do Bold Ojos now, the ones that aren't live. Anyways, just a little bit of context there. Getting back to it. The reason why I brought up social Q&A lives is because there was one particular episode where I really had to hammer this in for someone in a live session, one of the live class students, in which that it's over. It's over now. I remember the story, actually. I remember it was uh, it was T, shout out to Takumi Kud, who he had just had a date with a girl and apparently it had gone very well. It was somewhere they had got coffee, they might have gone to the gardens, but he was at least seeing her off on a tram stop in Melbourne. And the date was ending and he had to see her off on the tram. And as she, as they hugged and he saw her off and the tram left, he found himself feeling, how am I supposed to feel about this now? Because it was a mind-blowing event. It was a beautiful day by all means, as far as my memory can remember. And he had these feelings of, you know, where's this going now? Do I envision what happens next? Do we envision, especially if it's a woman that's blowing your mind, the blue moon? You would have heard that reference in... Mark's email, another concept from the social Q&A lives that I first birthed, which was this idea of a blue moon in which that it's a, a woman so rare in which that you have to alter your social dynamics towards it in some ways, in some respects, because of the recognition of something so special. There's more intricate details that go along with that concept, but it's not a regular moon. It's not a regular girl. Basically, it's someone who's really special that incites a lot of these patterns, these neediness-based patterns, these attachments-based patterns, I should say. And so now I know where we're coming back with this. So this concept of, and this too shall pass, it's over now. It's over now. And that's what I was saying to Takumi Kun in that live session, which is that when she leaves that tram, done. It's over now. You need to reiterate that to yourself when you're learning to go out and meet people. And that's the modality that you're learning to overcome yourself. Because that's, you know, I get that question all the time from people, which is how do I tell my friends about this? How do I tell my family about this? It's like, well, first off, you don't need to tell anyone about it. Like it's your journey is your journey. And the journey will always be your journey, as is the tagline and the motto of this entire show throughout all these years. The journey will always be your journey. So there is no necessity for you to have to justify or explain your desire and drive to want to improve who you are. You know, that's a private battle for the most part. It's private in the sense that no one needs to understand where your drive comes from that because largely, and I think most people listening to this will, will really vibe with this, which is that most people don't understand. Most people don't. That's why that those who do, you form a very special connection with. It's why my best friend in the journey, Matt, Matthew Burnside, who eventually ended up taking his own life in 2016, the reason why him and I had the closest relationship out of any relationship I've had with anyone in my entire life that's not a female is because we came up in the journey of social dynamics together. With Jordan, that Mark referenced, same with Jordan. We had a very special bond there. Because there's not many people that understand why would you actively need to go out and meet people? Oh, you just you just want to get late. You just want to have sex. You just want to, you know, be able to say that you're an alpha male or say that you're a big boy, you're a big man now because you go now and you're meeting these people and you got these cool girls around you, right? You know, it's, that, that's all it is. It's a very shallow pursuit. It's like for some people, yeah. For some people, yeah. I've, I've done, 
I've done I've done seminars. I've done live group sessions where you meet people and you get 20, 30 people that come out on a session. I've just ran people I never met before. And you see the wide array, wide array of the intent for why someone would pursue social dynamics. And I'm, yeah, the worst of it is that exactly, which is that it's all about the take. It's all about the get. It's who they're getting, not who they're becoming. And that that was something that from the very beginning of my journey that I realized that this is a short ticket, a fast ticket to drowning yourself in the river. Because this is an analogy that I love to use, which is that when you look at the journey of social dynamics, I love the mountain, I love the river. And the river is the one that you have to build a bridge to cross. And in order to build, a, well, sorry, in order to cross that river, you're not going to be able to jump it. Like most people approach social dynamics as if they're trying to jump that river. And what that is to say is that you see a river that's like 20 feet wide and you think you can jump that shit, which means that you're going to get this done in a day. You think you're going to get this with a external validation mindset in which that you can just take from people, in which that you can just go out and that you can just say this thing, do this thing, and then you get laid and then then fucking people will love you. And that's a short-term mentality. That's a taking mentality. And you'll never be able to cross the river. You'll never be able to cross the river to even get to where you want to be with that type of mentality. Even if ostensibly where you want to be is a place with sexual abundance, with an abundance of internal validation, internal value, I should say. Even if that's what it looks like on the outside, how you get there is tremendously important because really there is only one way to get there. There's only one way to get there, and I'm sure Mark knows that as I'm standing here as I know it, which is that you have to build a fucking bridge. You have to build a bridge, and building that bridge is extremely difficult, and you have to swing that hammer day after day. And you have to realize that your technique is shit, that the utensils and that the materials and resources to build this bridge, you got the wrong planks, you got the wrong cement. It's just everything is wrong at so many different places in your journey and everything just seems to not be working. And this is the stage that we're in, we're consciously incompetent, which is like, it just feels like things that don't work. I love how we tied this back up. This is a great organic segue. <laughs> And so I know that we, I know that there's probably tons of topics right now that I'm just like machine gunning through, railing through. This is this is not a deep dive. I've literally, I can recall in the last ten minutes, dropped probably five fundamental principles that I've just lightly touched upon that I've just dusted you with. I have podcasts that dive into every single pod. A principle that we've just discussed for hours, for hours and hours. So that's not today. I'll go in when we want to go in, but I'm just dusting you with a a more of a circumveyance of what is potentially available for you. So in this consciously incompetent stage, please trust and you need to trust that if you're in that stage where it's like, okay, I'm going out and I'm, when I see this girl in the bar, it's like, okay, I know that I need to go up to her, see and go, which means that, okay, I can't just be walking around diddling my thumbs and fucking taking a drink of water and thinking now how about now what about now what now what now but what if that person comes in no and she coming in what about the bathroom what about now you, know, you can't be going with that what about now type mentality because you know that okay the way to do this right is to see and go which means i see the person and i move towards them i don't give my logical mind a chance to interrupt with limiting beliefs negative self-perceptions and egoic attachments i need to move directly towards the target of which my desire is which by the way may sound if you took that as just like a clip as very uh, predatory but it's not because the target of your desire is not the human being. The target of your desire is to overcome yourself. The target of desire within social dynamics is to traverse the deep darkness that exists within you as to why you are afraid of other people, which actually is just you being afraid of yourself. 
you think and you blame that it's the intense environment, it's the alcohol, it's the drugs, is that this girl is so damn hot, it's because this guy is so damn alpha, that's why I can't be the best that I can be. No, you're just scapegoating and delegating the responsibility for taking responsibility for yourself. It's because you are afraid of yourself, how powerful you could be, how amazing you could be, how fluid, liquid, courageous, how much of a journey you could be. For those that blame other people, you are actually tearing up the contract that social dynamics is. The contract that exists within social dynamics is one of, I am here to overcome myself first, and I will engage and I will be grateful for the mechanic of being able to go up to someone else who would provide the mirror reflection for me to be able to see myself. That is the role of another human being in social dynamics. The role of a woman to a man who's going up to her is to provide feedback largely in general, the feminine principle of being a feedback mechanism and the, if you want to talk about the masculine in reverse there, the masculine mechanism of being leading. Not that a woman is a mechanism, not that a man is a mechanism. I'm saying that in terms of their energetic principles, right? Masculine energy leads, feminine energy follows, but gives primarily feedback. Feedback that would give instruction and information to the male as to how to lead, when to lead, what pace to lead. And I should have said masculine energy there, but you know what I'm saying. In general, male beings have a high proportion of masculine energy to their feminine. Heterosexual, anyways. But let's not get uh, let's not get dank. Let's not get dank down in the wokeism of things and the gender roles of things. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get woke is what I'm saying. Uh, so moving beyond this, so you're in that bar. You're in that bar and you see that person. You realize, okay, shit, I've got to overcome myself here. I've got to overcome myself. It's not about getting the girl. It's not about getting the woman. It's not about getting validated by these people. It's not about being able to go back to my friends or my family and say, look at me, fuck. I'm such a fucking amazing person right here. It's let me overcome myself. So I move towards that person, that woman, as fast and as fluidly as I possibly can. Just keep the chat low. Keep the chatter low, which means, and the only way to keep the chatter low when you are consciously incompetent is to go there quickly. Because if you allow for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, it's going to be, ah, shit, I'm too short. Ah, shit, I'm too fat. Ah, shit, I don't know what to say. Ah, shit, I never even knew what to say. I didn't even know why I walked into this bar right here. And so you're going to bury yourself and you take yourself down because of all these limiting beliefs. Don't allow for time for that. Move towards this person. Okay, so you get into that interaction with that person. And then what I'm talking about, it's the clank, it's the grind, where it's like, nothing's coming out fluid. She's looking at you like you're an absolute potato. You thought you threw your potatoes out of the bag. You got no potatoes left. You're searching in your mind is what I'm saying for what to say, but nothing's coming up and it's just awkward as fuck. You just don't know what to do here. And so you bail out, you eject within 10 to 30 seconds, just going, okay, well, nice. Have a good night. I'll see you later. And you walk out. (laughs) That is what I've tried. All I wanted to pay with that story is that's what it looks like for people who are consciously incompetent because then they walk away, right? And they go, okay, that was rubbish. Okay, that was absolute gummy. That was straight garbage. What do I have to do to become better in the next interaction? Not who do I have to choose next that would be easier for me or that would be an easier person to get validated by. Not who, how could I, just one thing, just one thing. Don't try and fix everything that was broken within this bridge. Just one thing. Okay, I noticed that everything went to shit when I started walking around doing my thumbs saying, what about now? What about now? What about now? How about just the next person I see, I just go see them. That's it. I see them and I go. See them and I go. That's it. That's all I work on tonight. See and go. See and go. See and go. And that, and this is what I'm talking And then I was like, okay, and then I fucked that up and I fucked that. So while all this is happening, 
while all this cognitive processing is happening, the subconscious foundations are being laid. They are being rewired. They are being reinstalled. They are being refurnished. The inner workings of your social skill set and your, particularly if you're going out at night as well, your emotional skill set are being rewired. And that is the entire reason why this entire section, whatever it's been last half hour now, this podcast has been dedicated towards, is understanding that a gigantic portion of people that give up in social dynamics is in within this stage of conscious incompetence. And it's somewhere around, I would say, four to five, barely. It's like three to five, three to four, three to four, that early slice of knowing that, okay, I really suck and I know what I suck at and now I have to go to work on it. And it's realizing in that stage right there that you think just because I go out and work and do work, that things should change, that things should get better. They are, but you can't see it yet. Especially if you're just one of one and you don't have a like-minded and like-skilled, what I'm saying there is someone that is of a similar ability socially to you that started at roughly the similar time and you have you don't each have outlying ally factors of one has Asperger's and one has ADHD or really aggressive form or whatever, or one's addicted to drugs. Or, you know, you guys are roughly very similar socially. And so you don't have like a market to judge off of. Not that you ever could. It's not apples. There's never going to be an apples to apples. The journey will always be your journey your journey but you know even then just to have someone just to look at okay am i am i really that shit or am i really that good or is today just a random rare night so it's very easy as a one of one to think that things aren't working things aren't working on the outside which means they're definitely not working on the inside which means things aren't changing on the inside that's not true that's not how it goes with social dynamics i've been coaching this for over six years now professionally as in people see value enough in my service to be able to transfer their financial assets to receive the teachings and the guidance that I offer. And what I've seen, having gone traveled across the world, run live instruction in London, New York, Miami, different states of Australia, in person, working with people in farther reaching countries just via online conference. And what I've seen is this, that it takes a long time for the subconscious rewiring of someone's social programming. It takes time. Even if you are doing hypnosis and NLP, it takes time to integrate all that into a real practice, into an actual ability, not just to be in your bedroom and to not freak out when you visualize approaching a very attractive woman and all the fear and all the anxiety that would inspire within you, but to translate that into the real world. So please do not give up was actually, I guess, the main message, I believe, of us going to the stage of the journey. Why it was so important is because just don't give up. When things seem like they're just not working, make sure though that if you're taking the three key principles of relentless action, accurate feedback, and sound guidance, if you've got those three things in there and you're in that stage of the journey and things aren't seem to be working very well on the outside, trust that they are working on the inside. And I think everyone would be better stead. I would have been so much better stead when I was going through that part of the journey when if I had someone there to tell me that, hey, hey, listen, man, that was shit. That was shit. But it's okay. Just be a little less shit in the next one. Like that that compassionate mentality, be a little less shit in the next one because you're going to be shit for a while in conscious incompetence. That's how it goes. I love it. So now we can start to move on to the, the third quartile, which is, uh, which is where things start to turn up. Millhouse, things start to get money. I love how deep we're going into this. I didn't think we were going to go this deep into it, but shit. I feel like it feels good. It feels right.
Okay. So, now, after being, after sucking and knowing that you suck and knowing that what you suck at and having to work on that, now all of a sudden you reach this point in which that there's an alignment between the subconscious and the conscious. Now, what you know internally and that you actually never have to think about because it's happening way too fast, which is the things to do with your eye contact, your subcommunicated body language. All of that now has a harmony with the conscious mind. The conscious mind has a good grip on that now. And very tactically, through open qualification, investment close, how to run an interaction, it's like, okay, I can see this now. I can see what social dynamics is. I can see what it means to align my frequency of energy with someone else. If someone's super introverted, you're walking up to a girl and you maybe come up to a girl in the, on the shopping mall and you know she was just in a bubble. She was just in a Barnes and Nobles bubble. She was in a Dimmick's bubble for those of you in Australia. She was in a bookshop bubble. I don't know what the UK, Harrods? I was just in a Harrods bubble. And you came in with all this energy because maybe you just came off a really awesome day or you came off the gym sesh, you're feeling good. And you have way too much energy and you blew her out and she just she just didn't vibe. There's no vibe and she's like, all right, well, anyways, I gotta go. But it wasn't because there wasn't a chance for you to connect. It's because you didn't learn to match your frequency of energy. She was operating on 92.1 and you were operating on 97.9. You just too much energy for her at that time. Learn to adjust. Learn to meet her at her level as the principle goes. Learn to meet her at her energy and her frequency. So you're starting to learn that, right? And you're starting to get a really good grip on that. And that's what I'm saying is that you're starting to see, oh, Upon my open, yo, excuse me, miss. I saw you walking by and I thought you looked tremendous today. Like, you're just super cute. My name's Adam. How you doing? Shake that hand. She comes in and you notice, okay, she's an absolute fireball. She's like, oh my gosh, that's so nice of you. I wasn't even expecting this. I wasn't even wearing this makeup right now. Who do you think you are? And it's like, okay, I was way under what I thought where she would be. If I was to either go down lower in energy or still maintain a very, very chill and very leafy vibe in that sense, you know, this is, gonna, this is only going to go one way. The gap between us is only going to expand. So I need to learn that, okay, she's feeling a lot of energy right now. I'm going to throw some energy right back. I'll match that frequency. I'm not going to go to the point in which that I'm no longer myself. I'm not going to go to the point in which that I feel uncomfortable. But we each have a zone of comfort that we operate in. Within our energies, we each have a zone of which that we could, because most no one, when they're walking throughout their general day, is operating on a 10 out of their energy. You're sitting at what? Depending, with, I'm not talking about general feel-goodness or happiness. I'm just talking about your energy output. What, a five or a six for most people, if you're just a general person. Most people don't walk around at a 10 or a zero, right? There's extremes. So you've got leeway to move within your own energy. That's what I'm speaking towards here. So you would amp up. You throw a bit of energy back. She comes out. You're just like, hang on a second. You're an absolute energizer bunny. Calm down. Calm down. I didn't say you were the queen. I just came here and said you were cute. And she'd be like, fuck, who the fuck are you? Anyways, did you, did you come from work? You study? It's like, listen, where do you think I, what do you, who do you think I am? You think I am just this marketing salesman? You're a marketer right now. And so what I'm saying right here is that you, you're in qualification right now, but your qualification has picked up. There's a lot of energy being thrown back. Because you match that level of energy. And then it's often easier. I took a different example there just to curveball you guys. But if you've got a girl that is much harder to deal with, where she's much lower energy than you, it's very hard for people to step down in terms of uh, the awareness to do so. Because what you're receiving there is what perceive, or you will perceive it as a coldness. You will perceive a very quiet and shy girl as being very cold. 
and that she's not interested. But a lot of the times, it's not the case, Jeffrey. A lot of the times, you just got a girl that was just on, I said before, she was on her Harrods, Barnes & Noble's Dimmick's Hustle, which means that she was in a book mode mode. She was in a bookstore mode. And so you just have to calm down. Oh, okay. I see this right now. I see you got this handbag. This handbag looks like it's straight from a cartoon. You into cartoons? Keep it slow. Keep it slow. She's like, uh, I, I watch a little bit of anime, I guess. I kind of liked Daffy Duck when I was growing up. Daffy Duck, yeah. He doesn't wear any pants. <laughs> she go on this, line, on this line of Daffy Duck not wearing pants. Um, <laughs> anyways, all I'll show you there was a match of energy. You match your energy. Seeing social dynamics was the point of this. This is just one aspect of it is that when you start to become consciously competent, you start to see social dynamics. And I often paint this out to my clients as you start to see things in slow motion. It's like the matrix. It's like you have so many reps of what it means to give an open, a strong open, which is with context and intent, direct intent. And you know those two key factors of the open. And when it comes to qualification, tease, test, challenge, and you can sit into that aggressive, and I say aggressive with the most positive connotation, that really aggressive masculine energy that's very leading, doesn't give a shit, doesn't give a shit about himself, doesn't give a shit about anyone else around him, is just going to say what he thinks and feels. And it's just so polarizing and it's just, it's so testy, it's so challenging. But of course, matching to the person in front of you, matching the energy level. And then that goes for everything we're talking about here. And then we talk about stage three and congruence. You see congruence? Okay, this is a part of, uh, what is that congruence? Investment. You go to the investment stage. Now we're going to step into that congruence principle, I should say, in which that we drop it down now. We're starting to build comfort and trust, putting that cool water on the interaction. Not to completely douse it, but just to get real here. It's like, what were your dreams as a kid? What is, where is it that your family's from? What is your relationship like with your brother? You know, it's just, it's just real shit. It's like, hey, do you like mushrooms? I don't like mushrooms. Yeah, it's just, but not with a joke. I know that sounds jokey. I was trying not to put a joke on it. That's what I'm trying to say. Not putting a joke on everything. So getting to the actual just general interest of people or the general understanding of people, you got, you're starting to see that in investment and you're starting to look at, okay, how would it, what would be best here if I just met this girl in the mall? Should I be sliding into investment when we're standing in the middle of the open? Would I do without my friends? Would I do with my family? Of course not. I would do that. I wouldn't ask questions about her dreams and her family or with anyone just standing in the middle of a mall. Hey, listen, we're kind of in the way here. Let's just move to the side. Let's get to a bit of a quieter place. Hey, there's a little bench over there. Let's just go for a quick sit. Leave that in. Go for that quick sit. Go for that quick side of the mall. Hey, listen, do you have five minutes? I was just about to go grab a quick coffee. You in? Ah, shit, I'm going with coffee with you right here. Instant date start to arise now, which slides you in, which you can start to marry and in the investment stage with the close stage, depending on how much time you guys have. She says, ah, I really don't have that much time. Hey, that's totally fine. Anyways, as I was saying, now you're using the looping principle of which that just because someone objects doesn't mean they're objecting to the entire interaction. They might just be objecting to that one particular request. So many times people blow themselves out of instant dates because they say, hey, listen, I was just going for a quick walk. Did you want to come with? It's like, ah, oh, I don't really have enough time. And then they perceive that as a just a it's just the end of the interaction. They're like, oh, fuck, well, shit, sorry, my apologies. I should never have come up. I should never have been bored. It's just the end of life. No, 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 no. Oh, chitsuke. That's okay. That's totally cool. I hear you. Anyways, as I was saying, I was thinking this, I was thinking that. I was talking about this, I was talking about that. Back to where you were in the interaction, looping back to the whatever stage you were previously in. That's it. Need a little more comfort, a little more time, a little more time to build a little more trust. Try again in a few minutes. You'd be very surprised how much, how when someone just said, I don't have any time. But then if you were just to give them time to build comfort, that's what they're really saying. When so, most of the time, 
most of the time. Because let's be honest here, if someone doesn't want to be in an interaction, generally speaking, they walk out of it. And I'm not talking about other situations where you've got someone who's physically confrontational. I'm talking about when you have a well-balanced, well-intentful, right heart, right heart, and it's just a good time. It's just a good time between a man and a woman, and she's just feeling a little bit nervous because this is new for her because she's not been in this situation before, especially if it's in the day. And she maybe she genuinely does have a work appointment to go to or a dentist appointment or to go meet her friends for lunch. And, you know, it's just a bit much. It's just a bit much yet. Haven't built enough trust yet. You know, they just need a little more time to sit into it. And anyways, deep, deep principles here. So all I'm saying is that what I'm seeing social dynamics. When you see that a girl says, actually, I don't really have time to go for boosters right now. And then she just lingers. She crosses her legs and she just goes, mm. so she's waiting on you. Jeffrey, she's waiting on you. And when she's waiting on you and you start to see that and you go, oh, I don't need to panic. I don't need to hit the Acme fucking roadrunner wild coyote explosionary TNT box on this interaction. I'm thinking about that TNT box with the with that handle that's like a T and you blow up the big TNT box. That's what most people do. Completely blow it up when they see an objection like that. And they don't realize, let me see social dynamics. Let me slow it down. This is what happens when you, this is how you know you're becoming consciously competent because it's like, I don't need to freak out every time that there is a, what was once perceived as a roadblock in this interaction, now perceived as a foothill. I just got to do a little extra work here. I got to walk up on an incline for a little bit here. But a hill does not last forever. A hill does not last forever, right? If you manage a bit of a difficulty with an interaction, that's one thing I guess why most people freak out when something difficult happens within an interaction, whether it's her friends come in or whether your friends fuck it up or uh, some insecurity pops up within you and you perceive this to be an everlasting event that this will always, there's no way that this is ever going to correct itself. So I may as well just end it here. No, no. Ridiculous. Stay the course, slow it down, see what possibilities are available here. In social dynamics, there's always another way around. There's always a way of working through this, which is not to say that you don't have the social acuity or awareness to recognize when someone genuinely doesn't want to be there anymore and they're just being polite. You know, no, 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 it's a different thing. But that's also a massive part of becoming consciously competent that, uncon- sorry, that consciously incompetent people don't have is that savviness to know that, okay, this girl's just not feeling it. So let's talk about the giant panda in the room right now, son. Another key principle coming in here, addressing the giant panda in the room. Clients often ask me, Adam, qualification, it's been like three, four, five rounds of qualification. She just has not connected. When do I pull the pin? When do I pull the pin? It's like she's standing here, but she's just not giving me anything. It's just ice wall the entire time, yet she's still here. Got to address that giant panda in the room, son. Son, and what that giant panda in the room is, is exactly that, which is that if you have gone through an interaction with someone in which the, the open went down and you slid into qualification, which means now you're setting that frame of masculine and feminine energy, you have a T-test challenge, you're building the attraction, you're building the fire of things, and you've gone for three, five times where you've said so, you've made that statement or you've made that joking question or whatever it was. You know, you look like the kind of girl that loves to roll around in coffee beans all day. You know, and that didn't happen. That was a miss. She didn't get that. She's like, oh, not really. And then you're just like, okay, well, I'm feeling like you're a bit of a uni student. Do you study? And she's like, no, nah, I just kind of work on the side. Okay. Uh, so you do you enjoy the park? Do you enjoy grass? 
<laughs> That's cold. And she goes, yeah, oh, I guess I'm a bit, it's a bit itchy. I get a bit itchy with it. You're really not making things easy here. Okay, let's go for another one here. Okay, so you... S- I'm just going to say it right now. I'm going to say it right now. I really appreciate the time that we've had here. I really like that you're open to this, but it does feel like you're just not feeling it. It does feel like this is not going anywhere. Is there something that if I said or that I'm giving off that's making you a bit uncomfortable uh, or is, is this today just not a good day for it? Addressing the giant panda in the room. Okay, just just to acknowledge that, hey, I'm, I'm grateful that, that this whole thing's happening, that you know, I t- obviously I took you out of your day here. If this is particularly a day interaction, I wouldn't. Sometimes this is necessary at night and I'll give you an example in a second of when this would be necessary at night because I was talking about one of my other clients recently, just yesterday actually. But in the day, yeah, this is, this is going to be something that I wouldn't say you frequently have to use, but sometimes you do. But, 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 but to just offer the gratitude for the fact that this is a bit of a strange thing. Most people don't come up to each other in the street, in a bookstore, on that bookstore mode, and not expected to be approached by a random stranger. So you got to give people points for that. Like, this is not a normal thing. So thanks for, thanks for being in this, and I'm, I'm grateful this is all happening and whatnot, but it does seem like you're just not feeling it. It does seem like this is just, you're not having a bar. And that's okay. It's just, is there any reason why? Uh, or should we just leave it here? Should, uh, should I just peace out? Ju- that is what I refer to as addressing the giant panda in the room. Now, did you notice how it wasn't after the first round of disconnected qualification, as I refer to it as? You allow for several disconnections, at least three. And what I'm saying by a disconnection, a disconnection in energy, not someone who is just verbally restricted at the time. Okay? So what I'm saying there is that if you are meeting a woman that... And this is, again, seeing social dynamics, different cultural set points. If you've got someone who is, say, a shy, introverted, fresh off the rice bowl Asian girl, she's fresh Japanese, she's fresh Korean, and I'm saying that she's not Aussie-born, she's not American-born, she's not whitewashed, right? They're just very little English and is here on a working visa and that she just minds her P's and Q's and she goes to work nine to five or she does her study and that's it. And so the most she can muster is like a two-word response to anything you say. She may laugh at the things you're saying, but her actual responses, the what you would consider the lingual gold through which you could build off or refine off of, is just so few and far between. It's so little. That is not to be mistaken with someone who's actually not feeling interaction. It's just that they don't have the toolkit. They don't have the toolbox to be able to right now respond to you in a way that is super expressive. Just because, again, it's weird for them. It's not normal. You've got to take that into account. Compassion for the fact that people need time to warm up, including yourself. So adjust for the energy. Read the energy. Read the sublingual energy that's going on between you. So I know that this girl is not giving me many words. So let's go back to that before when I gave you that example of that. Hey, listen, I feel like you're the kind of girl that just rolls around in coffee beans all day. And she's just like, what coffee beans? <laughs> she's like, don't be silly. And she's like, don't be silly. Don't be silly. And that's it. That's all she says. Don't be silly. It's not a lot to go off of. Is that disconnected? No, it's not. Is that disconnected qualification? No, it's not. Why? Because how did I respond? I responded with positive energy. I responded with a laugh. I responded with, no, don't be silly or don't be silly. That I was drawn a little closer to that person. I was actually being qualified. That's not disconnected. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. The disconnected version of that was, and what we're looking at there was energy. So you could say the same girl could say the exact same words for the most part and go, nah, don't be silly. 
What, you've got the kind of girl that just rolls around in coffee beans all day? No, don't be silly. That's disconnected. That's where the energy is completely mismatched. She didn't want to entertain the dance here. She didn't want to join the dance. She did not get qualified. There was no qualification going on there. So, but do not give up upon first disconnection. At least three, at least three times, you would see the social dynamics of what's happening here and going, this person needs time to warm up. I think, I don't know. After about three Three to five is what I say is a good range because it depends on the person's uh, comprehension of English. What I'm saying there is that people who struggle to comprehend English, you might have to give a few more rounds before you would really know that this is this is really just not a good match here in terms of the energy on that day. On that day, same person, week later, might be a different person. Here's the example. One time on a boot camp in Melbourne, coaching a client who had flown down from New York. There was a girl who is. This is uh, under Melbourne Central. You know the 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 sky bridge of Melbourne Central that connects the two different buildings. It's really close to Swanston Street and Swanston Street, and I think it's Latrobe. But it's at that end of Melbourne Central for those that live in Melbourne. And there's that under. It's like what do you got to imagine for those who have no idea what I'm talking about? It's just like a very giant crosswalk in which that probably a hundred people other side can cross this crosswalk. It's very broad, it's very wide, and there's an entrance to these two malls underneath a sky bridge. And there was this uh she, she was Asian, but she was definitely Aussie born Asian, so she wasn't fresh. And she was kind of back against the wall of one side of the crossing. And I saw her standing there, and I'm not sure what my client was doing. Maybe I was just demonstrating for him or something. And I said, okay, I'm going to meet this girl. Went up to her and off to the side, shook her hand, came in with the usual context and intent as always, strong, open. You know, I was just with my mate. I was crossing over. I thought she looked beautiful. Had to say, hey, my name's Adam. Right. Hit that handshake and she is just a wet fish from the beginning. Straight fish. Very little energy. Very soft. Not even just soft tone, low tone. Just kind of like, yeah, yeah, just kind of having my day, you know, doing my day type thing, you know. That type of energy, kind of like this, is not particularly enthusiastic about anything that I'm saying. Okay. It's like that kind of energy. And I remember one of the first qualifications I threw at her was that you look like an anime girl. Or you look like the kind of girl that reads manga, actually. Do you know what manga is? And that complete miss. Complete miss. She just she's like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, that's okay. Anyways, so I think I don't remember. This is a long time ago now. What the following qualifications were, something about uni most likely, something about what she does with her friends, what I think she does with her friends, very qualifying, very teasy. But what I'm realizing after about three to four attempts here is that this is not going anywhere. The energy is just such a mismatch. So I have to call and address that giant panda in the room, which is that, okay. I like what's happening here. I think this has been good. I've, like, I've, had a, I've had a good time anyway, and I thank you for that. However, what I realize is that you don't seem to be feeling this. Is there any particular reason why? It's okay if there is, you can tell me, but- it just seems like this is not going anywhere, and I'm totally cool to let this go now. Uh, if there's a particular, you know, just let me know. That was basically the vibe of me saying, "I'm trying to give you guys." Obviously, I say a lot more succinct in the moment. I'm just trying to give you guys different ways of thinking about it when I'm saying it, so that you don't just take it literally from what I'm saying. The principle of it being that I'm appreciative for the time we've had here, but it seems that you're not feeling this. Can you tell me why? That's the principle. However you want to say it, say it how you want to say it. And she comes back and she says to me, oh, I've just like actually like a bit of a snapback, bit of a bit of like a cold water to the face. She kind of lights up and she goes, oh shit, oh, I've just had a really tiring day. Like I've had just had a bit of a shit day to be honest. I'm like, you had a shit day? 
like, yeah, I can kind of tell. <laughs> and then she gives a giggle out of her. And she's like, okay. And she starts to build, starting this interaction back on pace right now. I was like, listen, I get it. Came up in the middle of the day. It's probably not the best time. Maybe there's a better time for us to connect. And she's like, yeah, we can exchange uh, social details if you like. And I'm like, that's cool. That's fine. Now, the reason why I say it like that is because generally speaking, I'm never going to take a social uh, exchange of details as the primary. I'm always going to try and shoot for something far more personal, just reflecting the intimacy of what's happening here between a masculine and feminine interaction. Uh, particularly if the girl suggested it first. But when we're talking about a situation here that's as highly nuanced as someone that is not feeling the energy, they're just having a terrible day. You know, at this stage, it, that's, it's like a, the fact that she's been brought back from death socially is more than enough. So just to say, just go along that and being easy about it and just go, yep, no worries. All right, I'll shoot you a message and if you want to come out, we'll get a tea, we'll get a coffee, we'll get to know each other. So there's no pressure on it. There's no high expectation of what would happen. Not that you would ever need or ever have a need to have that expectation, but even more so with someone that's like brought back from the social death. So all I wanted to paint right there was that by addressing the giant panda in the room, it's not a fail safe. It's not a guarantee that if you address the giant panda room, that you'll get that cold, cold water effect that will snap them out of their energy. But you never know. And what do most people do? They just eject. They just eject when they feel that someone has disconnected three to four times on a qualification. And they go, ah, this is done. Actually, I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying there. Most people don't even give it three to four. They get one disconnected qualification, they're out. <laughs> That's most people. But anyways, let's get back to the main point of this part of the podcast which is conscious competence, seeing the dynamics. Now, I said I was going to tell you a story from one of my clients on this address in the giant panda room, which is a nice little example, actually, at night. Okay, so this was a pre-context email sent from one of my clients in preparation for one of our sessions together. And he said he wanted to talk about some social dynamics. And he began with, last Saturday, I went on a date with the girl I met at a bar the previous weekend. I'll start with how I met her at the bar and then move on to the date. We won't talk about the date. We'll just talk about how he met them. I was out with friends waiting in the line to get into a venue and there were two girls in front of us in the line. They seemed about our age. By the way, he's just turned 24, so mid-20s. They seemed about our age. The girls were just a little bit younger than him and were pretty cute. Saw the girls in line. They were pretty cute. I was thinking about how to open a conversation when my friend, a girl, complimented one of them on their pants. She was wearing bright pink pants. Bright pink pants. I tried to build off that small opening, but the conversation was weak and fizzled out. I've come to notice that interactions at night seem to be way more successful when I'm very direct and intentional with my approach, as opposed to trying to wiggle my way in and small talk like I did here. Good lesson there, by the way. Once in the venue, we ended up bumping into them and I tried to talk to them again. I said something along the lines of, I talked to you two briefly in line, but never got your name. The girl closest to me mumbles something back, but she's clearly not sold on talking to me. I did something here I hadn't done before, which was say, look, you two seem fun and I'd love to talk to you, but if you two are just in the mood to dance tonight and not to talk to you guys, don't let me bother you. At this point, they actually seem to open up a bit and engage in the conversation. The girl closest to me saying, we're here for whatever, just to have a good time. He now steps out of the story and says in directing to me, I was wondering what you, Adam, thought about this. Uh, as I was guessing you were thinking something saying like something like this would actually be unnecessary, especially that early on in the conversation. Regardless, back to his story. I talked to both of the girls for some time and ended up playing dancefully with the girl, sorry, dancing playfully with the girl I was most attracted to. Although not horribly interested at first, by the end of the night, she became very flirty and was touching me a lot. When the club closed, I got her number and we talked about doing a beach day together. 
I felt the logistics weren't there for continuing the night as she was with her friend and I had to drop off the friends that came with me. A week later this past Saturday, we went to the beach together and so and so goes on the story of the beach date, which is not necessary for right now. So what was the point of me telling that story? That when he recognized that these two girls were energetically a mismatch, it just didn't seem like they were engaged or interested or wanting to have a bit of a bar of this, he just called it out. He addressed the giant panda in the room very early in the connection between the two of them, just saying that, hey, I get it. If you two just want to dance, don't want to talk to guys, that's totally fine. I love it. I love it so much because that level of authenticity, that level of directness, that level of congruence, the empathy for the night that they're trying to have. I love this play. I love this play because it's so indifferent to the outcome. No one could say what my client said there truly with truth and communicate it in such a way in which that the person on the receiving end would actually believe them without a true indifference to the outcome. You couldn't say to a girl, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a, listen, I, it seems like you guys are a bit of fun. It seems like it would be really fun to talk to you and you know, get to know you here. But you want to dance, you don't want to see guys, I totally get it. If you were only saying that as a weasel move to try and say, oh, well, I heard it on this podcast and shit, that got this guy in, so shit, I better go out and say that. No, 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 no. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, no, no. It has to come from the heart. It has to come from that heart center in which that I genuinely just telling you exactly how I feel. This could be fun. I'm going to be congruent about it, which is that I've got to say what's in my heart and it's okay if you don't agree with that. And I have to be authentic about it, in which that I feel like this is the right decision. I feel like right now, this is the best move right now. This is my internal compass of morality or principality. principality? I don't think that's a word. Maybe it is. Of my principles is what I'm trying to say. And that I'm having the empathy, our fourth principle there, to which that I know that you guys are not here necessarily to get laid. <laughs> I know that, you know, just be, this is why people go out at night. Oh, guys are going out the to go out at night. It's like not everyone is out because they're trying to get. I'm taking the mindset. <laughs> I stopped it before I even said it. I'm taking the mindset of the general average guy. Oh, hang on a second. I'm just going to close this door. And we're back in. So as I was trying to say, there's like the door just randomly opened. Like literally the breeze blew it open. <laughs> I know it sounds so corny or that's, how could that even happen? It's true. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just listening. I'm just thinking about the, all of you listening there going, how the fuck does the door open itself? And <laughs> it's a it's weak hinge, weak hinge. And so <laughs> anyways, back on the story. I'm talking about the average loafer, the average loafer who's going, I'm so fucking Use these lines, use these lines, get these girls, bro. You sick cunt. Right, that's... The average loafer who's going out thinking that they'll do that is never going to fly. It's never going to fly if you go out and say, yeah, I'm just going to be uh, just uh, oh, no, that's it. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, everyone else is also out here for the exact same thing. No, I, I've many girlfriends that I'll talk to, I'll say, they'll come back to me and say, what did you do Saturday night? And I'm like, oh, I just went out dancing with uh, Sarah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I'm like, that's all? She's like, Adam, that's all. We just literally went out to dance. I'm like, did guys hit on you? Like, yeah. I'm like, we're hot as fuck. And I'm like, okay, you don't have to say it like that. She's like, but we are. I'm like, okay, whether you're hot as fuck, it doesn't matter. Did guys hit on you or not? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, all right. All right, they hit on you and you weren't interested. And she's like, well, Adam, girls, sometimes girls go out because they just want to have a fun time with their friends. And I'm like, that can't be right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Of course, I'm in jest. I'm playing uh, shit games here. 
I'm playing shit games with them. I'm throwing shit at, you know, it's good laughs. But I get it. And hopefully you get it listening to this, which is that, yes, of course, there are times when a girl or a woman would go out to which that she's not looking to engage in sexual fornication, in which that she's attempting to uh, connect with her friends, family members, whatever it may be, sisters, you know, whatever. And they're not interested in your average loafer of sick cuntedness of going, oh, I'm a sick cunt, I'm get late at night. And it's like, that's not what everyone else is about. It's amazing when you do find two people who are in alignment with that and how fast things move. If you've got a girl who's a bit of a sick cunt and you've got a bit of a guy who's a bit of a sick cunt and the two sick cunts meet each other, and it's just fireworks from the beginning. It's just so sick. Cunt. <laughs> it's, just, it's great when you see that. But I mean, it's not social dynamics. It's not what we're here to talk about. Let's move on beyond this. So... We're having a good time today. So why did I bring this up? Why did I bring this up? Oh, my friend. My friend, my friend, my client is, is a friend, but my client who used that beautiful play of social dynamics, of seeing the social dynamics, of realizing that these two girls are a bit disconnected energetically. Let me call that giant panda out. Now to his comment in his email saying, you know, I want to get your thought on this, Adam, because I thought that might be a little unnecessary, a bit too early in the conversation to say that. It's like, I can't draw hard and fast lines because I'm not there with the energy. But the principle would be this. It would be too early in the conversation if it was a misread of energy. If actually they weren't disconnected or mismatching in energy with you and didn't actually appear to be, you know, Russian ice blocks or ice turtle shells, but were just uncomfortable with you so far, which is to say that you had demonstrated enough, and that's a very subjective word, but what I'm saying is that you've at least attempted to progress from an open to a qualification stage, qualifying stage is what I should have said there. If you've at least made the attempt from, hey, my name's Adam, I say, hey, right, and I know that he didn't do this in this interaction, but generally speaking, you're at least making a direct show of something, which is that I'm here to directly engage with you. And this is the thing at night, it gets very nuanced because a direct show of interest at night doesn't have to be my name's Adam and I think you're beautiful. While that does go down very well, more often than you think it would when it's coming from an authentic place, when it's not coming from the sick, cunt, average, loaf place, where it's like, oh, you're so beautiful tonight, got you. You know, when it's not coming from that place, but it's like, hey, I saw you two standing here, looking in your eyes, and I realized you're actually more beautiful than I thought. I know that's corny, but my name's Adam. And they just feel it. They feel it from the heart. They feel that this was real. A real show of authentic communication. Whether it is received as real and authentic because that person is not sober, because that person is high on pingers, or because that person has just done MDMA, you know, it may not be received that way. For someone that has just had a shit fight of a week, for someone that just came out to the bar because I came here to be to to drown my sorrows of the human existence, which is my life, may not be received that way. That doesn't matter. Because seeing social dynamics is seeing the light within you and conveying that regardless of the reflection back, which is to say that I will not diminish the light within me because someone does not return it. Just because someone doesn't reflect, because their mirror is sullied is what I'm saying, because their mirror is cracked, because their mirror is covered, it is veiled, and it's not reflecting the light backwards. That shouldn't diminish your light, right? And I would not say to someone, uh, <laughs> there's so many principles going on here. So I wouldn't say to someone uh, that a direct verbally direct approach at night is no good or that you would stop doing that because maybe a girl didn't send all the intent back. That's okay. That wasn't actually the point of why I brought it up. It's just a nice little nugget of social dynamics there. But what I'm saying is that you don't actually have to do that. While it does go down very well a lot of the times, you can be very direct just by saying that, hey, excuse me, girl, you look like a pineapple. 
you got straight pineapple vibe right now. This dress, pineapple. That right there could convey just as much direct energy with the masculinity in it, the way that you look at her eyes, the way that you touched her hand on the entry, the way that you stepped right in hip to hip, the way that you're almost eye to eye, lip to lip almost, right? The, the, the heat that you're transferring in your energy to her. The intent, most importantly, which is that I didn't just go out to her to say that she looks like a pineapple because I'm really interested in pineapples. Disregarding my interest for pineapples, it's because she had blonde hair, she had a yellow dress, straight pineapple. This is just a display of masculine energy in which I say what I think and feel, tease, test, challenge, I'm having fun, I don't give a shit, I know she doesn't give a shit because she looks like this pineapple right here, fuck you. And it's like, you didn't ever have to say that my name's Adam, I think you look beautiful, yet you conveyed the exact same amount of energy. Because it's not in the words. It's not in the words when it comes to a night venue. These sub-communicated linguals, the sublingual language, the language of your body, of your eye contact, of your intent, the things that words cannot describe, the things that can only be felt. This is what determines, and this is seeing social dynamics again. Don't worry. I'm, I, the reason why I keep saying that is because I need to know where we are with this podcast. It's seeing social dynamics. And what I was getting onto there. So now get right back. I don't worry. I know where we came onto this tangent from. We got this tangent from my client who I was saying, was it too early in the conversation to call that giant panda? Why the principle of how to know whether it was too early or not? Was there a direct display of energy? Was there a direct display of energy? I would not try and call out the giant panda in the room or address the giant panda in the room if there hasn't been a direct display of energy. Whether it was direct or not. Okay, I, I think I fucked up that sentence. Whether there has been a display of direct energy, yes. Whether it has been direct lingually or not, ah, there we go. Does not matter. So, sorry, to clean it up, to clean that one point up right there, which is that I thought it was perfect timing because they, he, there was already something happening within the line and that he had already said in the opening sentence of that addressing the giant panda room, giant panda which is that you know you guys look like you'd be a lot of fun that's pretty fucking direct right there you guys look like you'd be a lot of fun to talk about right now especially again it's not the lingles it's about how it was said now let's leave that now i think you guys i think we've rammed that i think we've anal rammed that point enough it's still fun though right eh? you get good lols out of it social dynamics is listen this is the thing when i was coming up in social dynamics and the people that i was listening to when i this I, I don't know any of the other coaches in my space i used to but that was years ago. Maybe my first couple of years of coaching, I used to reach out and talk to other different coaches. I haven't talked to other coaches in years. I just do my own thing. That's it. I just do my own thing, which is why everything you get here is just so authentic because you couldn't you, you couldn't steal this from anyone else. Like this is the shit that I come up with is literally just from hundreds of thousands of hours of standing in front of this, maybe not hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of hours standing in front of a camera and a podcast mic and just talking based on real life experiences. So I don't really know what anyone else is doing, but I remember when I was in my hardcore stages of hard casery, when I was in my stages of learning social dynamics before I was coaching, that I used to, I was very aware of what all the other coaches and talking heads in the space were going on about. I don't know why I brought up this point, but suffice to say, ah, that's why. People get very nerdy. People get very military tactically about it and they talk everything into a bomb defusal. And they just, it's like, it's, it's literally algebra they're trying to talk about when it comes to socializing. Uh, you, never get a, you never get a smile out of them. You never get a laugh out of them. Talking about social dynamics, if you talk about social dynamics enough, it should end up in lols. It should end up being ridiculous. It should be just being stupid. Because at the end of the day, what are we talking about here? At the end of the day, what we're talking about is 
what human beings have been doing for hundreds and thousands of years and all of our pre-ancestors to the to the modern homo sapien, to all the other beings before that, it's all been subcommunicated body language. The English language is so new. Like even before English, when you had Latin and before Latin, and it's just it was just what, just mumbles and just grunts. And then before the grunts and grunts, you know, it's just what are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? We're talking about fundamental principles of how men and women, masculine to feminine energy, interrelates with each other. So it should be fun. It should be actually quite fluid. It, sh- it shouldn't be a bomb diffusal. It shouldn't, if while there are elements of it that can get nuanced and intricate, they are only nuanced and intricate because of the intricacies of modernity, which is our hyper novel worlds of the different psychological complexes that someone would come into a nightclub with or what a nightclub even is. Even a nightclub itself is a amalgamation. It is a monstrous, it's a monstrosity of a social interacting bubble. It's like, it's dark, it's heated, there's intoxicants, there's there's all kinds of drugs being introduced into this environment, visually, auditorily, obviously physically, so it's it's a real beast of a social environment. So there are going to be some intricacies and nuances, but don't get so nerdy about it. Don't get so don't get so academic about it, you know? Like you, okay. So 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 let's wrap this right back up up here. Okay. Let's get right back to where we are here. Seeing the social dynamics. This is all conscious competence. A lot of these examples happen in the night, but I think there's a good reason for that. Which is that a lot of social and conscious competence right now, what we're talking about. And this stage of the journey where you go from six to nine, that third quartile. There's a early portion, I would say, from six to seven thirty. Six to seven thirty from the midway, beginning to midway of conscious competence, that you are just realizing the fact that I can see social dynamics now. I know what I'm doing, and I can do it well. Still takes an average level of effort. Like I still have to think about it, still conscious, but it's not the mysteries of the universe to go through open qualification investment clues. It's not the mystery of a universe to be on a date with a girl and know this is when I should kiss her, as Mark did when he was doing the dancing, slow dance, meditation, standing meditation, listening to Nanda Manaya with uh, Mitzvah, and he kissed her there. That shouldn't be the mysteries of the universe if you're in this stage of the interaction. It should also not be the mysteries of the universe when it comes to a real sexually intimate place. Now, this is where we start to really start to... Have you noticed that throughout this podcast and as I've been describing the journey of social dynamics, we have not talked about sex and we have not talked about the act of a sexually spiritual dance and when it comes to the raw penetration of things. That's not because I'm being kid glovey or I'm being uh, PC, politically correct. I'm trying to keep things G-rated. No, it's not because it's because it's not privy. It's because for my clients that are in those stages of the journey, I'm saying, don't worry about it. Hey, listen, William, Jeffrey, Mark, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what happens when you guys get closed off, closed off, because you can't even get into yourself yet. Don't worry about getting into someone else if you can't get into yourself. And that's mostly what that beginning first half of the journey is. It's just getting into yourself, cleaning out all the shit, cleaning out all the darkness within you to be able to get to that light side it's almost like it's quite beautiful how the journey of social dynamics the clock face itself could be very much broken down into a yin yang in which that the right hand side is the darkness and the right hand right left hand side is the light you have to go through the darkness of social dynamics to get to light no one starts light otherwise you would not be pursuing this journey 
So when you finally find yourself in that light part, that's when the real raw intimacy of things can begin. And this is where now social skill set, key component one, social skills, key component two, emotional state control. This is now where you start to apply these examples to dates. You start to apply as I started to bring those examples of, okay, now when I'm on the date right now, I'm not just like sitting down having a coffee with her and hoping this goes well. No, I understand what it means to have a neutral meeting point where it's low pressure. It makes it easy for both of us to come out. There's no extreme time expectation here. You know, I just go for, meet me at the Malls Balls, run to mall. Let's meet me up in Victoria State Library. Let's just meet me somewhere in the Apple Store and Lincoln Street Mall in Miami. All right, and we'll just shoot the shit from there. We'll go for them down, walk on the beach, and really low pressure. You're just trying to get to know each other. Just trying to get to know each other. I'm not trying to get anything out of this. You're trying to know each other. See if, hey, I'm a man. You're a woman. Let's see if we connect. Fundamental principle of a date. Intent. So see if we connect. Because why would you invest in a fancy restaurant, fancy movie, going out skydiving, doing go-karting, if you don't even know if you connect with this person? Why would you invest any resource Time being your most valuable, but then it's closely followed by financial. And actually, if you want to transcend all of those, your emotional investment in this person. Like you only have so many bars of emotions in the day. You don't know who this person is. You don't commit hours and hours of that and delete and deplete hours and hours of that to someone you don't know or you don't connect with. How much do you value yourself? Now you've got to value yourself highly. Follow your value your emotions, your time, and your finance highly. So we always keep a low key, low pressure more on these dates, even going on these principles. And so you start, but you've gotten a good handle on these principles, what I'm trying to say. It's like we're doing a podcast. We're doing a mini podcast on every single social dynamic principle there is. This is a mega show. Is that what I've titled this podcast? I don't even know what I titled this podcast. The mega show of social dynamics. The super terrific happy hour of social dynamics. Uh, Okay, so anyways, let's get serious here because this is where things do get serious. Because as you become consciously competent and you start seeing social dynamics, as uh, Mark did with this girl here that he had met, uh, as my client did that you just heard from, that he met these girls in the bar, he went up going out on the beach day with that girl. These interactions, when you start to learn social dynamics, they're going to lead. If you lead, and hopefully you would lead them to a more intimate bubble of connection, a much deeper bubble of connection in which that you could get heart to heart in which that you could feel the breathing rate of someone. You could feel the rate in which their heart beats. You could start to see the universe within each other. You could start to relinquish your concept of self, a deletion of self in time, in which that you could join an eternal path that we were all walking to begin with. Yet so many of us have forgotten. And by doing this, may you find through a sexual practice that began physical, that connected mentally, to transcend spiritually, that you'd find a pathway to enlightenment through your sexuality. That the act of sex itself may be a literal term, but what we talk about is that we do not make sex, we make love. To make love is to practice the divinity between masculine and feminine energy in the penetrating of her and the receiving of him. The mutual honoring of that which is undying And always living with all of us. Deep periods of silence fill you in this space. You start to realize that when you're naked with another woman, as a man, that when you're naked with a woman in the bed, 
you start to realize that the value of this bed is not the sheets and the pillows. The value of this room is not the walls and the door. It is the space that fills it, such as the silence between her and I. The value communicated between her and I is not in my words. It is in the space between the words. The space between our eyes. The touch between our hearts and our hands. The way that your tongue would roll down her neck. The way that her fingers would scrape down your chest. The things that require no words. And if words did arise, that would only be a reflection of the truth that existed within you. And so such little would be needed. Poetry in motion would be your sexual practice. Poetry in motion would be your understanding and care for where she's been in her life. Poetry in motion would be when then she starts to break down, when she starts to cry, when she starts to let go into all the abuse, the psychological trauma that she's experienced that no one has ever been willing to listen to or that she had actually buried deep down and just gone through aggressive sexual patterning and behavior because she thought that's what the guy expected so she would have sex immediately first day, not even because she really felt comfortable enough or because she wanted to, but purely because that's what she thought that was expected of her. And then you start to say to her, hey, that's not okay. That's not okay. I'd never expected that of you. I just wanted to know you. I just wanted to connect with you. I noticed that when we're here in the bed together, you don't really look me in the eyes. It's okay, but can you help me to understand why? I'd love to know why. Oh, Adam, it's because there was this time where I got raped. And the rapist looked me in the eyes the whole time. And now I found it really hard to look people in the eyes. Hold that silence. And then she might dribble out and dribble out another little nugget of information. that Her father abandoned her when she was young. And she fell into this psychological complex of seeking poor masculine treatment as a result. Because that's the only way she knows how to live. That's what she expects. That's what she believes herself to be worthy of. So that when she came into the bed with you and you had literally just started making out... And she says to me, I want you to hit me. You're like, hang on a second. What? She's like, I want you to hit me. It's like, we just started making out. It's not that I'm not about animalistic rough play in context, in time, when that trust has been built. But that seems a little bit off to me. Like, I'm, not, I'm actually not comfortable with that. But that's okay. Let's work this out. Why do you want that so quickly? And now, well, okay. Let's work this out. Let's try and understand each other a little bit better. Okay. So what I'm saying right here is that this social competence now, you can see how none of this would apply between 12 to 6. You would only see these stories and these experiences happening from 6 to 12, from a a state of conscious competence when it comes to an overall social skill set. You may be someone listening to this that has no competence within the art of a cold approach of a random human being. But you may have a lot of warm social interaction, so your overall social skill set may have you at this place, and you may have a lot of sexual experience, because I have many clients like this, that have little to no experience in the art of cold social dynamics, but have a lot of warm social dynamic experience, social groups, uni, gym, work, etc., and find themselves in regular sexual interaction, fucking this up, fucking this point up, having to learn this point, which is where we all go through, which is that, hang on a second, what about when you had a great day with a woman? Had a great day with this girl. You come back, sliding down into the bed. You just turn the candle on. You're starting to make out. And she says, hey, listen, you're going to be my boyfriend, right? You're going to be my boyfriend. Hang on a second. We just started making out. What are you saying? 
<laughs> now I'm I'm being comedic in a way, or I'm being podcasty in a way. What I'm actually saying is, like, you just pull back. Hey, what was that? You're gonna be my boyfriend, right? I find it hard not to make this a joke because this is a story that I've told on the podcast before in a joking way. I'm trying to make it real. So when a girl says to you that, oh, I need you to be my boyfriend, like we can't have sex unless you're going to be my boyfriend after this, and you have to pull back and say, actually, you know, I'm not comfortable with that. That's actually not my expectation or idea of what happens here, and it's totally okay if that's yours, but we probably shouldn't continue this because obviously we're in quite a misalignment here. And so you just end it right there. And then to go through the roller coaster of her breaking down in tears and realizing that it's because of X, Y, and Z factors that her parents expect this of her because her friendship group expects this of her that if she was to have sex with someone that they'll be the boyfriend in the end. And, but even though it's maybe it's not what she's, she actually genuinely feels is what is privy within her, then, then you have these deep, difficult conversations that happen. And a lot of the times, a lot of the times when you engage these deep conversations, people are forced to reckon with who they actually are. They're forced to reckon with their past selves, with the lost inner child, the lost connection of which they had once forsaken, maybe hurt once in a part of time. And so they forsake it for the rest of their lives, never wishing to open up that pain and to heal that pain again. So they built the shell, they built this way of operating within this world. And then you were that inception point of ding, ding, just that first ice pick on the shell, on that ice shell they had formed, ding, ding, you're that little pick. Ding, ding, I'm tapping. I'm t- ding, ding, I'm tapping on this shell to see what's inside here. Can we break this down? All right? And also, just to fit that analogy, following off of a couple of podcasts ago, not that you would ever be the hammer that breaks her shell, but the fact that you could be the hammer that she picked up, that she was holding to break her own shell. Right? Not that what I'm saying there is that it's masculine beings. It's not your responsibility to fix someone, to change someone, but for you to present as a space slash tool, a vessel slash hammer in which that someone could utilize to open up their own pain and to heal once again. The level of social dynamics required at this stage is infinitely and exponentially more up advanced and upgraded than what you would experience in just meeting someone, dealing with the psychological complex that has been built upon for years. And having to manage your own emotional response to that. And that's when things aren't, and I don't want to give you the picture that, okay, so this is what it's always going to be like. No, it's not always going to be an absolute storm. It's not always going to be absolute rainbows. I'm, I've no, I've just painted a lot of stormy behavior because that's actually what happens that I've seen in my life as that I became consciously competent and starting to step into unconscious competence coming back down the mountain of social dynamics. That by that stage of social dynamics, it's not that you weren't meeting women before in your incompetent stages, whether it was unconscious or conscious. It's not that you weren't meeting girls that didn't have these psychological dark complexes and various limiting beliefs, negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments. It's just that your social skills were not good enough to get to an intimacy to which that, that could be revealed. Now that your social dynamics have transcended to that level, now it is upon you to educate yourself in the emotional understanding of human beings. It is upon you and it is incumbent upon someone who is bringing someone else into an intimate space. This is what I'm trying to say to you right now. If you're going to be bringing people back into a sexually intimate space, it is negligent. It is negligent of you to see a girl that is pushing the sexual pace too fast and to just breeze over that, to ignore it 
and to go into a sexual experience anyway. You have no idea how much pain might be existing within her. You have no idea how many girls that present as lusting firebirds that are just pushing the sexual pace way too fast, but they're doing it as a result because that's where they gain their sense of self-worth because they were hurt once upon a time and they formed this complex in which that now, because I was hurt by someone else, I just have to do more, 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 be more, be more, and then, then he'll like me. Then he'll like me because someone left me once, once ago, once a long time ago and treated me really poorly before. Just a general example. A general example of which that, uh, you know, particularly, particularly girls that were raped at a young age. I've met several girls like this and they end up being lusting firebirds where it's just, they give in to, not even give in to, they present it. That was the wrong term. Please delete that. I'll, that was my bad. They present this intense sexual pace when it's way too fast, not called for. And when you dive into their stories and you think, Why, where, where did this come from? And you work out that after their rape incident, they went and slept with 10 other guys within the space of a few years. Sometimes a lot less. Sometimes three months, six months, slept with another three, five different guys. Not guys they were in love with, not guys that they had a tremendous masculine-feminine dynamic between, just, just because. Now, not just because. They're trying to fill a hole, trying to mask over a pain that exists within them. It is incumbent upon those who are bringing other human beings into intimate spaces, sensual spaces, not just sexual, but sexually sensual, sensually sexual spaces. What I'm talking about there is that a space that is mutual, that is not mutually agreed upon, just the PPM, pumps per minute. It's a different thing. If uh, you met a girl in a bar and she was just horny that night and you were horny that night and you guys just went back for just what's always going to be a lackluster experience, but for the, it's always worse, but for better or worse, that's all it was, and you're never going to see each other again. Okay, I wouldn't recommend it. I definitely wouldn't recommend it. That's a very soul-draining experience. That's a very charring experience on what you believe sexuality to be. But okay, you go through that once or twice in your life, and you realize this is probably not what I should do. Aside from that, if you're going out, and whether you're meeting these people in the day, in the night, in your everyday life, and you find a connection and you sense that something's off here in the sexual pace and the sexual timing of things, whether it's because they're too cold or they're too hot, whatever end of the spectrum they fall on, that you would endeavor to inquire. That is what now seeing social dynamics means in a whole different way. You endeavor to inquire, which is not to become their psychologist. It's not to become their therapist. It is to become the vessel, which, by the way, should be that of the ocean. The waves, they come and they go. Imagine jumping into an ocean with your emotions. Imagine taking yourself, visualizing now a vast ocean. You're standing at the shore. And if you could hold in your palm a bag of all of your emotional pain, and you could just toss it into the ocean. Take it. Do what you will with it. A bag of your emotional pain, all of it. But it's a bag within a vast ocean. That is largely how someone should feel when they start to open up towards you, that you are that ocean. No matter how much pain they hold, even if it's a, a, a truckload, a small bag or a truckload, toss a truck into the ocean. You see what I'm saying? Even a truck, in comparison to the ocean, is but a minute detail. Or when I should say in my new detail, a, a droplet of weight of what could be held. 
whether you're a masculine or feminine being, listen to this. Same goes for feminine beings, listen to this. You just change the examples. When someone's expressing pain, you're not there to correct that pain. You're not there to correct their mentalities around it. You're not there to change who they are. You're just there to be that vessel of total acceptance, which is that I see you for who you are now. I see who you are now. And it's okay. Which is not to say that this means you are in perfect alignment, which means things have to progress. If you find that things aren't in alignment, don't progress, of course. It doesn't mean that you have to make things align. Letting go of all these attached-based mindsets to having to make things work. That was the girl that I met recently, where on paper it seemed like we were perfect together. But she had a lot of maturing psychologically to do. She had a lot of demons to deal with in herself. And so we could no longer be together. She acknowledged this to me. Acknowledging to me that she didn't feel that she could give me what I was worthy of. And that's okay. There's nothing I'm going to say or I'm going to do that's going to, not that I would ever want to change her mind, but that would change her mind. It's like there's no amount of me saying, no, no, you are worthy. No, no, I do want you in my life. No, it's not necessary. We each have our time. We each have our place. We each found our time and place in this world in which that we could look at ourselves and go, I need to grow on my own. I need to grow out in this different journey. And maybe again, our paths will cross, if not in this life, maybe the next. And I'll sit in the harmony and the compassion of all those concepts and all those ideas. I'll sit with myself. I'll be with myself. i come to know myself. And what I'm really stepping into here is the final quartile of social dynamics, which is unconscious competence. To be so good that you don't even know anymore. And I mean that in the depths of what it means to not know. To have no mind. No mind. Now, you're walking down the, you're in the supermarket. I see the woman in the coconut oil aisle. Excuse me, I saw you here in this coconut oil aisle. My name's Adam. You look very cute today. How you doing? Shake that in. Did I do a cold approach? I guess so. Did I do the open? I guess so. Did I convey a direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy vibe? I guess so. I don't know though, because I don't know, because I wasn't thinking about it. I was just meeting a woman. I just saw her and I had, had to go say something. But I don't know. I don't know. It's, that is literally the coming down of the mountain is when you can react to whatever you just did, whatever gold you just did, socially speaking, and go, and someone say to you, did, what, did you just do this? Or what did you just do? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> fuck reminds me of you Matt reminds me of you reminds me of stepping into Swish nightclub on North Terrace corner of North Terrace and some seedy side street in Adelaide opposite the casino back in the day I was probably 19-ish Matt and Roy walked into three of and my brother Lucas was oh no, no Lucas wasn't there for this one no it was just me Matt and Roy walked into this free nightclub start of the night Swish nightclub it's a bit of a banger where people just go because it's cheap drinks and it's free entry. You walk in, it's, it's crowded, it's dark, there's lasers, 
lots of people with sardines walk around into the center of this packed dance floor. It couldn't be any, it could only be two of these rooms that I'm in, like two lounge room space, like not very, like maybe 20 square feet maybe. And it's just packed. And Matt just goes straight up to the most attractive girl in the middle of the dance floor. Roy follows him and approaches her friend and they just start dancing with these girls off the bat. I didn't even, I don't, it's too loud. No no linguals are being communicated. It's too loud. No one can hear anything other than the music. And all of a sudden, I think I standing off to the side watching this, this attractive blonde, young blonde girl, probably 18 at the time as well, very attractive. She's got her hands around Matt's neck. Matt's got his hands around her waist and they're just doing this bullshit slow dancing in the middle of this ravey club. <laughs> he starts making out of her. Roy starts making out of her best friend. It's like, there's this double makeout going on here in the middle of his dance floor. Hang on a second. They just met. I'm freaking out in the corner. I'm choding up next to the couches. I'm just leaning on the couches. There's these other guys with their in their chode crystal with their beer crystals where they're just all with their coronas and they're just oh, I'm a beer and I'm a crystal. It's <laughs> and I'm there just like I'm sweating. I'm sweating so hard. I'm not sweating so hard because it not only is it hot in there, I'm sweating so hard mostly because I'm so afraid of what it would mean to do what they just did. Not, it's got nothing to do with how badass it looked just going up to two of the most attractive girls in the room and now all of a sudden they're making out of each other. Ostensibly, that's pretty badass. But that's not what that's not the validating point. The validating point is the fact that they had the courage to do that. They had the confidence, the centeredness, the groundedness, that most importantly, that as the most attractive girls in the room, they weren't going to expect any less. They weren't going to expect anything less. They're the absolute most centered confidence within them. This wasn't at 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. This was the beginning of the night. They weren't on alcohol, liquid courage. They were sober. And so I'm sweating thinking about what would it take to be that person? Who would you have to be? It's, it's not even what did they do because it's very clearly obvious that a three-year-old could do what they just do. Walk up to someone, shake their hand, pull them into the hip, put your hands around their neck. That three-year-old could do that. But who you had to be to be able to enact those movements with fluidity, with a sensedness, with an unwaverance, no waver into what you think would happen after this. It's total presence. It's the presence of things that is just overwhelming me. Unconsciously competent. Because once this is over, we step out onto the street and I pull them aside and I say, What the hell was that? What the hell was that? You know what I say? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was always Matt's response. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that thing? Yeah, the mate? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, Matt. How are you so comfortable at just, like, taking people out of the venue? Like, you're so good at just, like, meeting someone and you just walk out into the street. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> No, that wasn't his only response. He would, he, Matt also had a good mind for social dynamics, breaking things down as well. But a lot of the time, just to fuck with me. Because he knew. He knew what he was doing when he said, I don't know. Which is that, Adam, it's not about what I was doing. It's just the fact that I was doing. Yeah? The no mind. The no mind. What is it? The munen muso. 
Uh, I always forget the literal definition of muniment. So, so let me, I don't want to fuck it up for the 1500th time, but I'm pretty sure it's the no mind concept. Let me get it here. Munimuso becomes a phrase meaning no desire and no thought. That's what I'm talking about. No desire, no thought, just doing, just being. So when we're in unconscious competence at this stage and you, whether you're out in the club, whether you're out on the coconut oil aisle, we're talking about entry points now. When you're on the beach and you're not that 16-year-old version that I talked about that story at the beginning of this podcast, just freaking out, just freaking out about having to go up to a girl who's clearly looked at you 10 times or you looked at her 10 times. Right, that was not Munimuso. That was... That was the opposite. That was the complete opposite. That was unconsciously incompetent. And then to become and reach that stage where finally you're coming back down the mountain now. And what does that mean? How do you come back down the mountain? How does one even enter unconscious competence? I skipped over that. I breezed over that. I talked about it in the article, total social integration, but this is total social integration, which is that at a certain point, you have to detach from the skills that brought you up the mountain and to incorporate the emotions that will take you down, which is that for most of your journey, it has not been a conscious focus on controlling your emotional state because for the most part, it, that, is like, that is like a cricket trying to tow a Boeing 337. Imagine being a cricket trying to tow a, a, a jumbo jet. It's not going to happen. I'm never going to say to a client, okay, who's in 12 to 6, okay, we're going to work on your emotions first and then we'll work on your social skills. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. While it would be amazing if they could work that way, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how much you say to someone, be centered, be grounded, be calm, uh, be joyous, uh, just chill out, just relax. No, they're not going to be relaxed. They are not going to be relaxed. In fact, telling them to relax is probably going to make them less relaxed. You got to give them something tangible, something framework, structure-wise to be able to take into. That will calm them down. Say, just focus on the open context and intent. Okay, I was context. I was just standing there with my friend, intent. I thought you were beautiful. I had to say hi. Give them something tangible to focus on, the social skill, that will calm them down because it gives them something to focus on. The emotions don't come to much later. Emotional control does not come to much later. And that's where we're at right now. So most of your journey, you're climbing up this mountain, right? You're learning to overcome yourself. You're learning to learn these social skills, the key components. And then you finally reach a stage where you know what to do. You're good at it, but you just can't seem to get to that place where it's just so good that you don't even know anymore. This is likely what's happening. You become too attached to the skills that brought you up the mountain. You become too attached to being in social dynamics. You become so attached to going out, and for those of you that are really hard case, to being a day gamer or a night gamer, or even perceiving social interactions as game. Like if you're still operating in 2022 and you think of going out to a woman as game, right, from the old mystery method from back in the 90s, what have you been doing the last 20 years? Where, where have you been? Where have you been where you still think of things of game and you still think of things of getting getting pulls and running field reports? It's like, I'm saying you're being so nerdy about it. You've been making things into a game. What are you doing? Where's your total social integration? Where is your natural flow that would see you leave the journey? Because as I've said, social dynamics should not be a forever journey. The art of learning social dynamics and the pursuit of learning social dynamics should not be a forever journey. There is a stage and a large, I would say three quarters of the stage of that journey in which that it is very conscious, it's hard work and you have to actively engineer it. You have to be somewhat nerdy about it. But if you come to someone like me and you listen to someone like me, whether in the free content or in paid coaching and a deeper level of coaching at that, 
you would always get the idea from me that this is not a forever journey and we're going to make this as least nerdy as possible. We're not going to use stupid labels. We're not going to over stupefy things and to make things into this. Just It's just disrespectful. It's disgraceful to human interaction to think of things, to think of an interaction between a man and a woman as the game, right? And I'm really mean like, I don't want you to uh, take, go too far of that. Like, obviously, everything we do as human beings really is a game. We all play games. Power games, struggle games, like, it's all games. Chess games, it's all games. But I'm talking about in that way in which that you see something like a human interaction as this manipulable thing where you're trying to manipulate the outcome to get an external result. As you, or if you just listen to any part of this podcast, you'll get the idea from me that it's all about the internal result. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about how many girls you slept with. Because you can be very, you can be very sexually well practiced, but extremely socially incompetent. I've had clients come to me that I fit this exact description, which is that they got the aesthetic, they got the aesthetic uh, lottery, they won the aesthetic lottery, they got the genetic lottery. Their social dynamics, quite frankly, are just poor. They're, dis- they're disgraceful because of whatever age they're at, early twenties, mid twenties, and they still don't know about empathy. They still don't know about being direct, congruent, authentic, right? But they've been blessed with girls just give it to them. Girls will just bleed them. The girls will just push them to get into sexual interactions. And it's like, man, man, you're a boy in a man's body. It's just boyhood psychology all day up in here. It's like, how does this be? So don't confuse your sexual validation with your psychological development or your spiritual development. No, 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 no. So anyways, getting back to the point here. Going through conscious competence, if you've gone through this journey, you're working on the skills, you're having to craft all this mechanically, but at a certain point, that would only hurt you. At a certain point, your development and focus on skill, which was simultaneously not focusing on emotional state control, which is not focusing on an integration of in your everyday life, your natural life, being in the gym, in which that maybe you're exhausted from the previous set you just hit, but then you see this really cute girl who's on the stretch mat and she's eyeing you out. She's eyeing you up. And on you out, and you go, hey, need some help with those hamstrings. <laughs> Saw you in this mat. I like your hair. What's up? My name's Adam. And it's just, what? Hang on. What? He didn't have to warm up. What? He didn't have to go through some routine psychologically to go check this, check this, check this, do this, do that. All right, this is that skill. Okay, I've just opened it. Now I'm going to go engage. Oh, shit. What about investment? What am I going to investment? Well, how am I going to work this clothes out? It's like, no, saw the girl on the mat. She was looking at me. So I said, you got nice hair. I do need help with the hamstrings. What? The key component of what I'm speaking to there is the emotional control. That actually you were just pretty exhausted because you just finished a set of chins, some weighted chins or something. You just finished a, a, spr- a sprint on the echo bike. It's like, fuck. It's like, I'm not ready for social interaction around now because you don't need to be, bro. Bro. <laughs> Learning to integrate one's social skill with their emotional oxygen, the emotional skill with their emotional state, to harmonize those two ideas is to never have to be ready for an interaction because you have attained such a level of acceptance, cultivation of skill, acceptance for how you feel right now, compassion for where you are right now, knowing whether this feels in alignment right now and just acting upon it without conscious thought. That's total social integration. Total social integration is anywhere, anytime, anyone. Which doesn't mean that, as I said before, sometimes 
anytime, anywhere, anyone, and those three things that you're calculating for. But the calculation, by the way, I know that sounds very cognitive, isn't happening consciously. You might make that calculation subconsciously and go, yeah, not now. Not now. Now's not a good time. You might be walking down the beach and a really attractive girl walks by, eyes you up, and you go, actually, not now. Not now. I'm, I'm, I'm depleted. I'm, I'm not, but not that you're having this conversation, but I'm just saying, just to work it out in this podcast, maybe you had a really rough day or maybe you're trying to process something. Maybe your father just passed away. Maybe your best friend is flying away tomorrow and you're just working out the emotions of that. So, okay. To not feel cognitive dissonance, knowing that, oh, but I do code social dynamics and this attractive girl looked at me, so I better go meet her. Say, like, no, that's inauthentic. Slow down. You're still in conscious competence at that stage, most likely. Or you're still in some conscious stage, definitely. To be unconsciously competent is to be so attuned to where you are in this moment, to not experience that cognitive dissonance. And then when things do feel well, that the skill and the emotion, they harmonize. They harmonize, they're together, they're one, they're indistinguishable. And that's really what I was trying to display in the Bolsip article 136, which is that they're indistinguishable in which that your emotional oxygen becomes your skill and your skill becomes your emotional oxygen. Emotions become your social skill set. Social skill set become your emotions. And that's what you saw was so beautiful in Mark's story in that email that he sent, which oh, it just lit me up. It lit me up when she was, dem- she's obviously practices dance of some kind. It sounds like ballet. And she was demonstrating a pirouette in the kitchen or well in the dining room, wherever they were having dinner or about to and or just finished. And, he says, okay, we're just going to we're gonna do a slow meditation or a meditative moment right here because this song's playing. And she asks, is that from your name? And he just takes hold of the moment, takes hold of the moment, takes her in. Man. Recognizing those moments, it just draws me back into a reflection point of which that I've said from the beginning of this podcast that you only know that you were unconsciously competent. You only know that it was a blue moon moment. You only know it was the very best that you could have done afterwards. Because if you were present in the moment thinking, I know that's a juxtaposition of words, contradicting words, if you were there in the moment thinking, oh shit, I'm doing really well. Not unconscious. So I guess the end of this podcast, the way this should wrap up right now is well, the intent for today's podcast was for me to tribute to what jo- social, social dynamics is, the journey of social dynamics. There are countless stories evidenced by the 200-some episodes of this podcast that I could point towards that would display to you what social dynamics has meant to me, the one-to-one stories that I've had, the stories I've had with my clients, the stories that, for those of you that have never worked with me, just like this man here from Austria, across the world, that are just living your own lives, you're taking some of the principles, and that one of the best things that he said was that this was the first email article he'd clicked on in months in the best way possible because he didn't need me anymore. And I remember reading that part last night and I just smiled because it's like, that's the idea. It's like the idea is that I'm here for you when you need me. But hopefully you wouldn't need me forever. Hopefully all of you on your journeys right now recognize awareness for where you are. Where are you in that journey of social dynamics? What quartile do you sit within? And what specific slice of that quartile are you? Are you in early conscious competence? Are you in early unconsciously incompetent? You're where you are. And then 
applying a rigorous, relentless, coupled with accurate feedback and sound guidance program to be able to transcend that stage of the journey. And I have said this so many times. It's not about me. I don't care which coach you go to, if you even do go to a coach or whoever you listen to, just go to someone that aligns with you, that you feel like this person's for real. As Mark said at the end of his email, it's like Adam's a real deal. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm never the one to talk myself up, but I will agree with him on that, which is that I am the real deal as far as I've portrayed within all of these last six years. I speak what I live and I live what I speak. Okay. And so that's when I'm so comfortable to say to people is that I've, I've many times I turn people away from boot camps, I turn people away from coaching, uh, even Skype coaching, just because we weren't in alignment. I just feel like this is not this guy was looking for a get money, get bitches type coach. I'm not that type of guy. I'm gonna give it to you straight. I'm gonna tell you when your limiting beliefs, negative self-perceptions, and egoic attachments are wrecking who you think you are and you, what your journey is. I'll tell you when you're fucking up. Because you need the hard truth. I'm gonna tell you that there's no line that's gonna save you. I'm going to tell you that there's no amount of women that's going to save you. I'm going to tell you there's no amount of sexual validation, financial validation, status, social status that will save you in this life. Only you can save you internally. Only you can subscribe to a journey on a path on a mountain in which that you invest so much energy climbing up only to realize that you have to do away with all of that and come back down at some point. And this the come down. It's the come down that requires the detachment from all of that work, all of that mechanical grinding, all of that... Oh, I'm on the journey of social dynamics. I'm going out and meeting people. And I was in this open relationship. And then this girl said that she was actually wants to date another guy. And I know I'm supposed to be okay with that, but it really fucking messed with me. It's it's messing with my head. And it's like you're dealing with all these psychology with this. Like, okay, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> calm down in order to calm down. And you realize, okay, this is all part, this is all part of the journey. It's all part of the journey. That key word. How many times have I said the word journey in my life, in this podcast, in this podcast? It is the journey. And the journey will always be your journey. What does that even mean, my friends? Why do why do I why have I said that so many times? Why do I say that's the motto of this channel? The journey will always be your journey. The motto of the bowl is the journey will always be your journey. The reason for that is because no one comes into the journey of social dynamics equal to another. No one has the same life experiences. No one has the same social set point. No one has the same desires and dreams. It's unfair to compare yourself on day one compared to anyone else who started on their day one. You know, depending on your social set point, environmental factors, genetic factors, software, hardware, it's all different for everyone. So with that being said, it's a compassion point that the journey will always be your journey. But that's not to say that you become this weak piece of shit, this pile of shit that just wastes years of your life thinking, I'm in the journey, I'm in the journey, and that's good enough. No, because that was my journey for a period of time, a good period of time, two years actually from 17 to 19, just thinking that it's good enough just to be able to go out and get someone's number. Like my mindsets were so messed up. My mindsets were so far off and I wasted so much time. And then within 30 days, I went from, man, my first 30 day challenge, went from having no dates, two years of cold social dynamics, no dates, 30 day challenge, first ever dates, which led to my first ever sexual experiences, which led to my first ever open relationship, which then led to my first ever, well not, not first ever serious relationship, first serious relationship from active social dynamics, which spanned two years. That was all started by an active commitment to a 30-day challenge. Not that that, and I'm always very careful to say, not that that's what a 30-day challenge is designed for. A 30-day challenge is just designed to analyze where you're at. 
But it also just so happens for those of you that are not as hard case as you thought you were. Maybe you weren't a hard case of social skill, but you're a hard case of emotional skill, of the managing of oneself is what you sucked at the most. So you were never able to put together blocks of consistency, actively, consistently meeting people, not so that you could get people, but so that you could get yourself, so that you could understand yourself. You could spend a lifetime going out there with the mindset of that, hey, I'm here to get laid and get pumped. And you'll never come to a place of harmony. You'd never come to a place of I've had enough. It will never end. It's a cup with no bottom. But the cup that has a bottom is the cup of one of internal validation. The cup that I choose to fill for the sake of my own filling. And that upon filling that cup, I may give it to another and start to fill another. And so my life goes. Fill a cup, give it to another. Start a new cup. Fill it again, give it to another. Start a new cup, and so my life goes. Which is to say is that all these things we do, all this pursuit of social dynamics, why? Why are you doing it? Well, at first, for a lot of you, it's pain. It's pain. People get into the journey of social dynamics because of a pain point, because they feel the self-inadequacy. They feel that they are just fragile beings that have no backbone, no centeredness, no groundedness. And so you think that your way out through that is by extracting validation from others, getting points from other people, getting points from society. And so you find yourself typing into YouTube, how to get led, or how to go on a date, or how to get a girlfriend. And it's like, whoop, you know, how to be a baller, how to be an alpha. None of, how many of you typed into YouTube saying, how to know myself? How to become centered and grounded. How to develop principles of direct, congruent authenticity with empathy. It's okay to start from a point of pain, but at some point you must alchemize that into a point of light into going, I'm here to not only better myself, but most importantly, so that when I better myself, I can improve the human experience for another. As Mark did here, as Mark did here for this girl, I'm sure she was lit up. I'm sure that she was lit up after this day in which that he was just meditating and that she stopped just to observe him because watching him meditate pre this date calmed her down. Even something like that, can you see how him just diving into himself, sitting within himself, literally sitting down, that it had a tangible effect on someone else. It improved someone else's experience. Say that they never had the rest of the amazing date that they did and that she just left right then and there. She's better off. She's better off for it. How many a time, how many times are girls walking away from your dates as a male thinking, I'm better off? What, what for? What pursuit? Why pursue this? At first, yes, you're overcoming of yourself. But at some point, if you do not, and this is another part of coming down the mountain to become unconsciously competent, if you don't recognize that social dynamics is not for you, but it is for others, that you become socially competent, that you become spiritually aware of who you are and who other people are in raw, sexually intimate spaces, regardless of whether there's penetration or not, that that's for others. That's for the benefit of others. I do all these things, not for myself, but for others. The byproduct is how it makes me feel so good. The byproduct is the reciprocal altruism of that when I see a woman smile because I made her a hot cup of matcha in the morning after we had sex the previous night and it wasn't just sex, but it was love. It was the height of an animalistic sexual experience transcended into a spiritual love in which that the two of us saw the universe within each other. And then the next morning, to open the blinds and make her a hot cup of matcha 
which she did not expect, and blows her away. It's because you made her a hot cup of matcha. That's not for me. It's not because, oh, shit, man, how cool does that make me? Or how, how empathetic and considerate does that make me? No, it's because what if she was a girl that has been sexually abused all her life, males have just treated her like shit, and that she's come to expect shit from males. And that this is the first time that a male actually, for no, he went out of his way, for no return on his energy of investment, investment of energy. He's not going to gain, he shouldn't expect anything shouldn't expect anything back from this. It's just altruistically giving. I want to see the smile on her face. You see that little, the little quiver between her eyelashes. You see that, you hear that little kitten of a voice going, and you see how it just overwhelmed her heart for just a second there. And like, ah, that's why. When you see that woman on the beach or that man on the beach who's always in a shell, who's always in their dark energy, they're always depressed, but every single night you show up or every single day you show up and you're always saying, hey, how you going? Hey, what's going on today? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you? G'day, what's going on? Every single time. And then only on the, after eight weeks, and you get almost nothing back to them. You get nothing back. They might acknowledge you with the eyes, but they never say anything back. On the, on the eighth time across maybe a couple months, eighth week, finally, hey, how you going? Oh, right, right, oh, right. Sorry, what's up? Oh, she can't speak. Oh, she has a verbal speech impediment in which that the reason why she wasn't responding all these weeks of me, eight weeks in a row saying hi to her is because she didn't want to reveal her disability. But only just now, after eight weeks of me showing up every single time, showing the same light, which is that I'm here to make you feel better. I'm going to say hi to you, regardless of how you receive me or not. It took eight weeks of that for her to finally feel comfortable to reveal to me that she actually couldn't speak English. Uh, not even English. She just couldn't even speak. And so whatever she said in re- was not verbally comprehensible coming back. That's social dynamics. That's the best of social dynamics. That you would make someone feel so comfortable and trustworthy that an absolute stranger, that they would be willing to reveal such a obviously very concerning disability that they have. But what if you had given up one week early? What if I'd given up one week early? What if I'd never even began that process? What if I'd only been out there trying to get likes and smiles from other people? And when this woman wasn't giving me likes and smiles back, wasn't giving me the verbal reception back, which is what so many people are always seeking. They're always seeking the good response. It's got nothing to do with a good response. Do good yourself. For you never know the battles that other people are fighting. Surely you aren't aware of that. And then to finally have developed enough comfort and trust that someone would, if to an absolute stranger in a small moment, in the magic of the small moments, show you the beauty of what two humans can express between each other. That's social dynamics. That's that's why social dynamics. So this is where I'm going to wrap up this podcast. I hope that wherever you are, you come to the day in which that Mark from Austria has realized, you come to a day that I realized, in which that there's no more mind, there's no more doing, it all flows, it's all natural, which is not to say that you don't experience the same emotions as all human beings, you're not a god, you're not an enlightened being in the grandiose 
perception of what they may be. You're just you. You're just doing you. You're living the life that you can so that you can help others. That's it. Got your social skill. Got your emotional skill. Integrated both of those to a total social integration, which has largely allowed you to present with such supreme excellence when it comes to the matters of interacting with human beings. And with that being said, I wish you all so much love, peace, and joy. Yeah. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, that's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation. Free resources of wisdom. Free weekly on my newsletter, Bold Sip. Just chuck your email in. comes out every Friday. That's all available. All the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So I thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.